Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into the Marvel Cinematic Universe in today's episode. What's this? What's this? The simply sensational standing ovation of Royal Dalton Music Hall. What is this? This is where you want to be. What is this? We are back with part five of our Marvel Cinematic Universe retrospective. And by we, I mean myself and my Meg. lovely partner, Me. Meg. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, this is, uh, this it's Sunday, Sunday evening as we're recording. Yes, late afternoon. Yeah. Our schedule has gotten slightly, slightly askew. Yeah, not so great. No, it's raining in Florida because Florida's a trash heap ruining daytona day for me but that might mean a night race which i am a fan of yes so but we were also going to record at night so now we've had to remaneuver our schedule adjust everywhere yeah so they're under a rain delay so we're taking the opportunity to record while we can yes Uh, we will see if we can do it all in one go we might have to split it up into two chunks uh if necessary but anything to make sure we get the episode out by monday I can Skype you while you're at work tomorrow. Um, I don't know if I have time for that. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, today's episode, uh, we left off last week uh, after watch, uh, after talking about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and Spider-Man Homecoming. Yep. Yep. Uh, and so today's first movie is Thor Ragnarok. Yes. Which, personally, I've been looking forward to talking about Thor Ragnarok a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, specifically when we were talking about the previous two Thor movies, all it made me want to do is talk about this one. <laughs> <laughs> There's. Yeah, the other two Thor movies are they're fine. They have their moments, but yeah. they uh, generally are lacking in in a lot of arenas. Yeah. Um, which is a shame. Yeah. I can't. I'm not. I'm not even sure what would, what it would mean if the Thor movies had this vibe in their previous iterations. It would have changed so much. Yeah, I don't even know what they would be like. Honestly, yeah. I feel. Like, I don't feel like they would be comparable. No. No. I don't even know what. The, I don't even know the plot would be the same. I don't, really, I don't think it could. The dark. The dark world. Yeah, that would. <laughs> that could have been much improved upon. No. Uh-huh. Yeah. Unfortunate, but. Yeah, so uh, it's been been a while since uh, we've heard of Thor. Heard from Thor. He was not present during the Civil War events. Nope. Uh, we last saw him in Age of Ultron. Yep. Uh, might have seen him in a credit scene or something since then, but as far as movies, he was in Age of Ultron. And Thor Ragnarok opens two years after the events in Age of Ultron, uh, with our good friend Thor, played by Chris Hemsworth. Um, imprisoned by the demon devil the demon fire demon Surter. 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 as he hangs upside down trying to have a conversation and 
this was this first scene where he's like spinning around on the chain and he like keeps telling Serta to wait for him to spin back around so that he can see him <laughs> like they can match eyes face to face is a great way to introduce the movie and show this is a very different Thor. Yes. Like n- this scene it could not exist in the previous versions of the Thor movies. <laughs> it would not feel right. The character would not feel right doing it when you look at what he had done in the previous movies. Uh, and so even with what he does in the Avengers movies, it's a little more silly, a little funnier, a little funnier in the Avengers movies, but it's nothing close to what Taika Waititi does in Ragnarok. My king. My king Taika. Yes. So good. You like Taika. I love Taika. Taika's great. He is great. I like Taika as well. Yes. His you vibe is very good. Own, have you... You've Now, we both saw Jojo Rabbit. Yes. My both. favorite movie of last year. Okay. Yep. Have you seen any other Taika movie? I don't think so. I would be happy to watch them. Yeah? Yeah. What mm-hmm. else does... What other movies has he done? Uh, I guess the other one that you might recognize is Hunt for the Wilder People. Mm-hmm. I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I think the first feature he directed that kind of got him any recognition was called Boy, which is also quite good. I think he acts in that one as well. Mm. Um, yeah, so Taika took over the Thor franchise um, and uh, took it in a very new direction. And much, much needed. Much needed. New direction. Fresh look. Fresh feel. Yeah. Exciting. Mm-hmm. Very funny. Yes, which I think is fits. I think Chris Hemsworth does a little better in this one, and I don't. Mm-hmm. I think it's partly the material. Yeah. I think he does better, kind of. He does well enough with like the serious stuff, but I think the other movies are almost like too like serious, like Shakespearean. And, yeah, right. he's much more, much funnier when he's doing entertain. Like he just see, na- sees a natural more fit for a little bit more of a comedic Thor. Yeah. Um, for all the things I've seen Chris Hemsworth in, uh, he's really good at the funny stuff. I think after funny, I think he's really good at the, like, rage side of things. Like, whenever he's Thor mm-hmm. and he gets, like, really pissed off. Yes. He does a really good job at that. But it's the times where he's trying to be, like, dramatic and serious that feel a little shaky. Yeah. Um He does, I think he does a good job of it in Endgame. When he has to be more serious, when we yes. first run into him in Endgame. Mm-hmm. But I think part of the reason why that works is the nature of what he looks like in that moment. Yes. Being, <laughs> like, it's still a serious and sad moment, but because he's, like, wearing a fat suit, yes. he there's a comedic twist to that scene, and I think he he's able to make that work. Yeah. Um, so, yes, comedic Chris Hemsworth. Is a, is a good thing. Yes. Very good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in that opening scene, he eventually calls for the for Mjolnir, breaks free of the chains, beats up Surtur, grabs his helmet, flies away, and uh, is chased by a dragon. And is... <laughs> it's really interesting, because he gets um, beamed back to Asgard, through the Bifrost laser light thingy, and which is going to be a very important as- aspect of this movie. 
but he times it so that it brings back the head of the dragon, severing the dragon's head in the process, which I thought was really like neat way to use that yes. thing. Um, and in the process, manages to douse the entire like Bifrost room in dragon guts, which is also fun. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> oh, my bad. Oh, jeez. Uh, sorry. Um, so just that entire sequence. It's fun action-y. Um, looks co- looks good. Gives us yeah. a taste of what we're gonna gonna feel and see. Yes. As a Thor movie. How the things are gonna go. Yeah. And it kind of I like that. I and I feel like we we kind of talked about this. Um, I think when we talked about Ultron, maybe, which is the disparate parent power levels of the Avengers. Yes. Thor is clearly mm-hmm. one of the most powerful Avengers. Yes, he is a demigod. Yeah, so <laughs> you know, but it, it, it so it's it's funny to, or not funny, but it's it's you know this opening scene he defeats a fire demon without much hassle, uh, defeats a dragon without much hassle. I think he would have been fine even without the Bifrost element. He defeats all the little minions that the guy had without much hassle, and. It's like that kind of an engagement, that fight would have been like the big fight for most of the other Avengers, I think. Right. Like, I don't think yeah. they, they wouldn't have been able to fare that easily against Surtur and his minions. That would have been like the climactic fight scene of their movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And that's another thing that's going to kind of keep reappearing in this movie is, is Thor the strongest Avenger? Because the only person who really has another claim to that uh, will make his appearance later in this film. And I like, I like that this opening scene establishes him as like super powerful, beats up a friggin' fire demon, <laughs> and uh, gives him that credence. Yeah, yeah. Because I think I don't know. I don't know if up until this point we've seen a lot of Thor fighting with people as much as we've seen the other Avengers fighting with people. Mm-hmm. So I think it is a bit of a reminder that like. This guy's a demigod. Yeah. He just fights fire demons. That's just like a Tuesday. Yeah. No big deal. And it helps with, like, balancing out the the very comedic side. Being like, don't worry. He's still, just because he's funnier now, doesn't mean he doesn't still kick ass. Right. Which is nice. A little reassurance. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Tekka. <laughs> uh, so, when we get back to Asgard, <laughs> this might be my favorite scene in the entire MCU. It's, I it's love it so much. Yes. Um, a lot, lot has changed. Uh, I believe when we left off at the end of Th- uh, Thor the Dark World, Loki is presumed dead. But we also know that he's taken over the role of Odin. Yes. They showed us that. Thor is not aware. And uh, so <laughs> when Thor shows up, he walks in on a play of sorts. Odin is lounging in a very uncharacteristic manner for Anthony Hopkins, who (laughs) had to be having the best time in this scene. He looks like he's so happy. He's like got, there's like women on either side of him, like feeding him grapes and like all, all this stuff. And... On the stage is a reenactment of Loki's sacrificial death, which 
if that's all it was, would still be amazing. Yes. But then you see... But wait, there's more. <laughs> there's so much more. Uh, so, three... Uh, so, uh, reenactment Thor is played by Chris Hemsworth's Hemsworth brother, Luke Hemsworth, who is not a famous Hemsworth. He's, like, done some TV shows. He, he's the not famous Hemsworth, yeah. I think there's more than three? I didn't... I, I think know. we went over this before. I think that we figured out there's four of them. I think there's four. I don't know who the fourth one is, no. but he's Liam the, is the definitely least, number least two. Famous. Yeah. This Luke is the is third most famous. Third, and then, yeah. You know, number four. And so that's cool. Gets his brother. Seems like a great choice. Just enough of a resemblance. Then we get <laughs> Sam Neill, Jurassic Park fame, uh, Hunt for the Wilder People fame. Uh, Sam Neill as Odin, which is also a wonderful little taste, little touch. Uh, and then, but the best part is Loki. Loki. Mm. My, who who might be playing Loki, the star of the show? <gasps> Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Uh... <laughs> it's amazing. It's really good. It's so funny. <laughs> Uh, I, in in a very broad sense, like, I like Matt Damon. I don't love Matt Damon. He doesn't draw me to a movie. I thought he was good in Ford v. Ferrari, but, like... He's fine. He's he's fine. He's good. Um, you know, I like him a lot in The Martian. Yep. Uh, but... Good in both of those, but yeah, I'm not gonna be like, oh, Matt Damon's in this movie, I need to go see this. Right. He's not someone who draws me to the movie by a sheer will of his name. And even his best performances that I've seen, uh, you know, he's, I wouldn't, he's a very good actor. I would hesitate affixing the label of great to him, mm-hmm. but. He's pretty great in this play. He's pretty damn great as Loki, <laughs> as fake reenactment Loki. Right. Um, acting way over the top in like one scene. It's, it's just ridiculous. You know, like, great actor or not, he is a huge household name. To be in a part like this in this movie is just astounding. To call up, like, hey, Matt Damon, do you want to come pretend to be Loki in this reenactment of a play in this one scene in this movie? And he's like, uh, yeah. Of course. (laughs) Why wouldn't I? Yeah. And, like, similar to Anthony Hopkins, like, that had to be so much fun. Right. Like, that's... Like, that's, like, what you want to be an actor to do. Like, just to have that much fun in a role that's insignificant, probably, but also just, like, he steals the show. Yeah. You know, and, like, I watching Thor Ragnarok, that's, I think about that scene for at least another half an hour into the movie. Yes. I can't get it out of my head until probably about when we get to Doctor Strange's stuff, which may be shorter than half an hour, but, yeah. That's the first time it really disappears. <laughs> Uh, it's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Probably, yeah, one of the highlights of the the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that all happens. Thor shows up. He's like, Odin, I have defeated Surtur. Da, 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 da. Uh, here is his headpiece, cow, whatever. And takes him a second. Thor is not the sharpest tool in the box. No, he's, he's good at many things. Being super smart and observant. Probably not one of those things. He's he's a little like me in that regard. <laughs> Good at many things, observant I am not. Uh, but he does catch on. 
He figures it out. Eventually. Um, I don't remember the exact dialogue. I don't know if he realizes that it's Loki, specifically, or if he just knows it's not Odin. I think he thinks it's Loki, given the, like... He, I think he walks <laughs> past a giant Loki statue when he arrives, and so it's kind of a dead giveaway. Yeah, things but, have gotten a little uh, extravagant and flamboyant since last time uh, Thor yes. was home. Yes. <laughs> Much uh, more Loki-esque. Mm-hmm. So he does a neat little trick where he throws Mjolnir and then calls it back to him and pushes Odin right in front of his hand <laughs> until eventually he concedes that he is not Odin. He is Loki. Yes. Uh, he's alive! Ta-da! Loki! Tom's, Tom Hiddleston. Yes. The dead ringer for Matt Damon. I can see where, where that casting came <laughs> yes, from. Yes, they look so similar. Um, I think like Matt Damon's like 20 years older than Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> Uh, he's a much rounder faced person yes. than Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> he's American and Tom yeah. Hiddleston is British. Yeah. Uh, very similar. Pretty close. Carbon copy. Yeah. But I think that's one thing that. Taika? Taika. I always I have a very hard time pronouncing his name. Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi. And, but it's so fun to say. Yeah. Um, I think that's one thing that he does very well is the little fun details that he puts into things like this could just this like you said was not necessary really for the movie and it's one of the best parts of it Mm -hmm. i think that and i think also the character of loki is i think one that fits with his style really well yes whereas i think in the other because again i think we've discussed that my main mcu knowledge before this came from buzzfeed where everyone is (laughs) obsessed with loki right and i the first two movies i'm like well loki's He's fine. Yeah. He wasn't... I didn't think he was that thrilling, I guess, besides in the one... He had small parts here and there, which were pretty entertaining. But for the most part, I was like, eh, what do we like Loki so much for? Mm-hmm. He's okay. I feel like in this movie, he very much got... I feel like he could have been really great if he was directed this way... The whole time. The whole time. Yeah. I think it's much more... I don't know. Makes the character much more interesting. Right. Much more, ele- an elevated version, I guess, of Loki. Well, I think, and I think part of the reason for that, you know, Loki is a trickster mm-hmm. and magic, which is very different from Thor. Right. And I think a lot of the first two Thor movies really wanted to prove that Loki could stand on the same level as Thor. I think they spent a lot of time saying, like, well, he's not as strong, but, you know, if if they had to, like, fight, He's very smart and very he could, sneaky. Yeah, he's smart enough, he's sneaky enough, he's got different abilities. He could, you know, go toe-to-toe with Thor. And that never really happens in the movies. Um, but I don't think... I don't know that, that I ever thought that, like, Loki could ever, like, accomplish any of the things he wanted to accomplish. I never believed the vibe that, like, Loki right. could win in the end. He and could I, do some tricks, he could cause some problems, but he's not gonna win. No. And I think we see in this movie, every time he and Thor kind of butt heads, or every time Loki's in a like physically engaging scene, he shares one with Valkyrie at one point. Um, his tricks do work. Uh, you know, he, for a moment, gets the best of Valkyrie when they spar. But both Valkyrie and Thor are far better trained in hand-to-hand combat, far, more, far stronger than he is, and that ultimately wins out. And uh, I think this movie does a really good job of Playing more to the, like, trickster, sillier, kind of a pushover 
um, there's a word I'm looking for. Uh, I don't know. He he takes the brunt of a lot of like aggression from everyone else in this movie. Mm-hmm. And scapegoat. A little bit, uh, like punching bag. Mm-hmm. He's the, he's the punching bag. Like Thor throws him multiple times in this movie on a whim. Like <laughs> it, it, you know, he he is just kind of tossed aside at any drop of a hat. And, but he's kind of and he's that weird kind of um cockroachy character that's he's always there. He can't you cannot get rid of him yeah. completely. Um and so I think this movie really has a good handle on on how he should be written, how he should be portrayed and directed. Yes. Which brings us to the third sibling. Yes. That we have not heard about up until now. No. I just thought it was these two clowns. <laughs> so, uh, Odin is not in Asgard. He's on Earth. There's a little bit track to go find him. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'll get to. Because I really like to- I really want to talk about the Doctor Strange scenes. But um, he does actually die shortly after they find him. Sequestered on some weird island. And uh, his death releases their... Uh, Thor and Loki's Thor by blood, Loki by adoption, sister, Hela, played by Kate Blanchett. Yes. Who is very, she feels very weird in a Marvel movie. She was a lot. She reminded me of like a Disney villain, like kind of like a Maleficent on steroids. Mm-hmm. I, wow. I wasn't a huge fan of her. I I love Kate Blanchett. Yes, I love Kate Blanchett. I think there's definitely a version of that character of Hela where Kate Blanchett is amazing and the mm-hmm. character is amazing. Yeah, there's some parts that are good, but I feel like a lot of it is like over the top. Like she was at like a 15 and even if she just <laughs> scaled it back to like a 9. I like, would take a 12. Yeah. <laughs> like even yeah. I think she because she's someone who's mostly in like dramas and like she's in the Woody Allen movies or you know the whoever you want like Oscar movie type fair um she or Wes Anderson or something she doesn't do these big actiony movies i think the only one besides this that comes to mind is the fourth indiana jones which is awful and <laughs> not and she doesn't you know she's not trying to fix it like she's not one of the parts that i even think is good about that movie so uh yeah she doesn't have a ton of experience in a giant blockbustery movie like thor like like chris hemsworth like tom hiddleston simply because they were in the early thor movies even anthony hopkins you know isn't somebody i would have pegged for a marvel movie but based on the previous two movies he has that base and she does not have it whatsoever and so she's kind of just these things are all like over the top right and that's the way she kind of approaches the role a little too much a little too much yeah she was almost like they took matt damon out of the loki play (laughs) and she had been in there too and was kind of following that narrative who would you cast to play reenactment hella reenactment hella oh man who's like a really like could it? What about Aubrey Plaza? Yes, 
<laughs> it's perfect. Yes. That would be really fun. That would be really fun. Especially if she did like deadpan, like she was on Parks and Rec, mm-hmm. just like flinging people left and right and like impaling them. It's just, basically like her character. It's basically April from Parks and Rec if she was a demigod. Yeah. Just skewering people and not really caring what's going on. I think it would have been really interesting if somehow the reenactment scene had shown Hella to give us like a little bit of a, oh, there's a, I don't know, gives us a little more of a base for what's to come. I don't know if it would have worked out in, in practice and in execution. But thinking about it, I kind of like the idea. Because yeah. then you get, I think if, if you get, say, Aubrey Plaza playing Hella in that moment, being, you know, if, if Kate Blanchett's at a 15, Aubrey Plaza, deadpan or not, is going to be at like a 20. And then by comparison, <laughs> she feels a lot more grounded and down to earth. Right. And maybe that helps out her, her performance perhaps, a bit. Perhaps that would be helpful. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so we get Hela. She is the goddess of death, um, who was so wanted to she, when when she was running around doing her thing, conquering worlds with Odin. Uh, she got a little too bloodthirsty. Um, Made a noops. Did a little, went a little far. Uh, was a little was out of fifteen again, and should have not been that high. Yeah. <laughs> And ultimately, Odin had to imprison her, and when he dies, that imprisonment went away. And so, shortly after Odin disappears, uh, Hela shows up, somehow, right where Thor and Loki are. And uh, they, uh, having, you know, up until this point, Thor is, like, driving the narrative of the movie. He defeats the Surtur, he goes back to Asgard. He's like, Loki, stop being Odin. Bring me, take... Stop uh, being Odin. <laughs> <laughs> takes him to Earth. And, you know, has the con- deals with Doctor Strange, finds Odin, etc. All of a sudden, Hela shows up. And over overacting or not, she is immediately the person in control. Yes. Without question. Yes. And when Thor throws Mjolnir at her, and she catches it, and breaks it in one hand... <laughs> Like, oh, shit. A threat level established. <laughs> yes. You know, like that. <laughs> that's all I needed. I completely believe in her, you know, ability to go toe to toe with Thor. Um, even if you include Loki in that equation, 2v1. No. I, she still, Doubtful. she got it. Yeah. From all we've seen, at least, she's good. Uh, so, yes, I think definitely some problems, I think, with, with Hela from a Cape Blanchett standpoint, but the character, definitely a good, a threat against Thor, powerful enough, mm-hmm. strong enough. Uh, her ability was, her abilities, so like she manifests weapons from thin air, basically, and she can, it's kind of it. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what all she does. She reanimates the dead, but I don't know if that's strictly a power of hers, because I think she, like, does a thing to do it. But she's the goddess of death. True. Her powers are not very well explained. Now, in your Wikipedia that you have up there, does it say, does it explain it all, like, what exactly she's got going on? Um, so, in the comics, Hela is actually Loki's sister by blood. 
they, oh, okay. they changed that for the movie to make the confrontation between Thor and Hela have more weight to it, which I'm fine with. Um, uh, Blanchette said that uh, she had a difficulty had difficulty portraying the character in a motion capture suit because she wanted to wear the like headdress and it wasn't actually there when she was performing. Oh, I did not like the headdress. It's a lot. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of that. Um, her design was taken from the, uh, so, so her ability to manifest an infinite number of weapons, uh, is actually an ability of a different character in the comics that they transposed onto Hela. And, uh, that's about it. That's all they said. So, you know, I mean, she... Yeah, they say, you know, she resurrects the ancient dead. She resurrects her giant dog. Yes. Like the dog. I, yeah, I enjoyed that part. Um, But that's about it. Like, she does all the weapon things, and she can reanimate the dead, question mark. I mean, reanimating the dead's not a bad power. No. And, like, <laughs> Thor, at a, as of this moment, doesn't really have much power outside of a hammer which isn't his isn't isn't right. him rather it's not him that has the power it's the hammer right and uh, as we will eventually find that like he can harness the power of lightning yes uh, even though he's the god of thunder close enough semantics <laughs> um whereas you've loki who can you know create copies of himself he can you know magic himself into looking like other people I feel like, at least by this point, we kind of know what he's about and what he can do. Mm-hmm. They're not really showing us any new abilities of Loki. Yeah, he's primarily, I guess, like a shapeshifter yeah. type of deal. Um, Hela, on the other hand, which was which has been a, a complaint of mine I've had since the first time I saw it. I wish they, one, were a little more specific on what she could do. And yeah. two, she wasn't so original. Yeah. Yeah, because they give... They give some of her backstory. Yeah. Of kind of like why she got put into, I don't know, wherever she went, was in that. Odin jail. Yeah, Odin jail. They sort of how talked about how she was like the big, mighty next yeah. one in line, basically, to rule the kingdom yeah. over Thor. She was the oldest sister. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they don't really explain, like, what she can do besides chaos and destruction. <laughs> right. But not. Um, yeah, which is a point. Like, she is the older sister. She legitimately has the best claim to the throne now that Odin is dead. Yes. Uh, so, like it or not, Thor has to remove her if he wants to be king, which we know he doesn't really want. Yeah. But I mean, he's probably the only one suited for it currently right. because well, generally the people who don't want to be king would make make the best kings, right? Or yes. leaders, or whatever you want to say. That is quite true. So he has to, because that was a big problem in the first movie was him being worthy of right. basically taking the throne, and clearly Hella, <laughs> not great, not worthy. Nope. Uh, so yeah, as much as he doesn't want to be sit on the throne he knows she can't no older sister bad option no younger brother not great (laughs) no the choices are slowly getting whittled down yeah uh so in that time so so the confrontation destroys mjolnir and then loki in his infinite wisdom 
calls the Bifrost beam, which takes him and Thor to Asgard. They leave Hela stranded on the island, and that's the end of the book. Ta-da! It was Sorry, that easy. Earth. It was so easy. Our bad. Yeah. We don't live there, though. Um, yeah, Hela grabs on to the end of this light stream. We get a lot of new Bifrosty stuff, which I like. Yeah. Uh, she fights them in the color stream, first knocking out Loki, who goes flying away. Yeah, boot, boots him off into the no man's land. And then Thor puts up a little bit of resistance, but she quite easily handles him as well. And our hero is sent off into the world, into the universe of darkness. Whereas Hela shows up in Asgard. Um, worth mentioning, Heimdall, not in charge of the Bifrost anymore, since Loki became in power. It is, what's his name? Carl uh, Urban. Carl Urban. Nothing. Just no. I remind me of Keith Urban, the country singer, but I yeah. he's not in this movie. This guy. Is that the the minion, basically, that she has yeah, throughout the yeah. movie? Yeah. Scourge with the double yeah. dual wielding assault rifles. Sure. At one point. Um Minion Man, I'll just call him that. <laughs> yeah, so Scourge is the new Bifrost guy, and Hella shows up, kills the Warriors three, who are just chilling, and he's like, I follow you. <laughs> Yeah, basically he's like, okay, great. You're in charge now. <laughs> and Hela takes over Asgard. Yeah. Bada bing, bada boom. Boom. Done. Done. End of movie. I mean, <laughs> she makes it look easy. Yeah. Uh, so, which brings me a question. So, uh, Thor is a demigod. Mm-hmm. Is he simply a demigod because he's Odin's son? Aren't all Asgardians greater than humans like uh-huh. if a normal asgardian like the warriors three mm-hmm. normal asgardians that are now trained warriors mm-hmm. but i feel like they are stronger faster more powerful than a normal human would be under the same situation probably could be i think i don't know uh which i mean i would say thor for sure is a demigod because you well, know, right runs in the family um I guess I guess my point being as guardians as a species race of mm-hmm. humanoid looking beings are a of a different make than earth human beings and it's I don't I'm not in ever doubting that Hela can easily take over this whole place but it does feel like there's hundreds and hundreds of like civilian Asgardians mm-hmm. who seem inept incompetent and unable to fight as it were which i've always like wondered about well you figure even as how many of the regular guardians there are i mean she took out the warriors three who in the previous movies you know seem pretty they're a name yeah not pretty powerful but they put up a good fight in the first movie against the other whatever the frost people yeah uh, and she pretty much just clears them out in about two seconds. Yeah. So if I and was the rest of the people on Asgard, I'd probably be like, <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think I don't expect them like rise up with tor- torches and pitchforks and whatnot. It just because um... they seem like they're almost like uh, when we see them later in Endgame, they almost seem like 
just regular they're people. Very... Like I don't know if they're like farmers, fishermen type of deal is kind of what they're doing when they eventually yeah. relocate. We don't really see a lot of them on Asgard to know kind of what they do. It sort of reminds me of like medieval, like a medieval town. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That type of vibe. Yeah. I don't know if that's what it's like. Because we don't really, yeah, we don't see them that often except when they're like scurrying around <laughs> trying to like get away from whatever problem is happening. Yeah. Like we don't see a lot of them doing, they're not really, there's not a lot of regular Asgardian characters in the movie. No. It's pretty much and, just Thor and, and Loki fact, and his family I and everybody wouldn't else. wouldn't even say there's any. I would no. say every Asgardian character with any sense of um, anybody we meet has generally some kind of power, whether it be Idris Elba being in charge of the Bifrost yeah. and being able to you can kind of see the... Well, he's a blind person who can see and hear everything. Yeah. Or the Warriors 3 who are trained, whether they're regular people, whatever they are, are trained warriors. Yeah. We don't really see just a normal person. I guess the closest would be um, Thor's mom. But she's magic. Yeah. So, you yeah, know, like... Uh, all right. So, moving on from that... <laughs> Before we jump over to Sakaar, which is where Thor and Loki end up, mm-hmm. uh, rewind back to Doctor Strange. I forgot he was even in this movie. It's ah, it's so good. Well, I think it's because we watched him in all wonky order. True. Um, so Thor goes to Earth looking for Odin, which is where Loki tells me is. And he's there for about five seconds, takes a thick picture with like some random passersby because he's famous. And is immediately, uh, and then immediately Loki is uh, portaled into um, Doctor Strange's mansion or house or thingy. He's... Oh, yes, I kind of remember this. And Thor is not portaled. And so he has to find Doctor Strange, if I remember correctly, and he shows up at the house or whatever. And they have this. It's this really, especially given, again, Thor is the one who's been in control of this movie up to that point. Doctor Strange is a completely different character that he's ever, like, he's far more analogous to someone like Loki than he is to, like, an Iron Man or a Captain America or somebody that he's met in the past. Right. You know, he's capable of. He's like, all of a sudden we're over here by this bookshelf and all of a sudden you're sitting in a chair and I gave you a drink and I refilled your drink and you're drunk <laughs> and we're down at the bottom of the stairs. Oh, and here's your brother. He's falling down a hole. And, oh, no. You know, like all these different like things. He's like, boom, 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 boom. We're moving so fast through this house. And just the, kind of like the Ant-Man Falcon scene in Ant-Man. It just like expands the world. It gives us that interconnectivity that I love so. <laughs> and in a movie that has one of my favorite scenes in the MCU another great moment for me is when he does drop Loki out of the portal <laughs> yes. and he's like I've been falling for 15 minutes yes, or whatever he says <laughs> and it's just like and like at the time you're like this guy is a demigod I think it was or, was it more like 15 years not like 15 minutes no I think it's minutes was it I think so. I feel like it was much more dramatic than that. I, I mean, 15 minutes... minutes is a long time to fall. I guess. Either way, you know, he's... Like, Loki is not some weakling. You know, maybe by comparison to some other characters he is, but in the grand scheme of things, he's a very strong and capable character. And Doctor Strange makes him look like nothing. <laughs> yes. And, like, has his way with him. Yeah. Easily. Which is great. And 
gives you the sense of you know what it, liking Doctor Strange as a character or not. Like he definitely has the the power, the capabilities to be on the same foot as some of these other people. Yeah, if you can control time, that's that's pretty. Uh, <laughs> yeah, can rip rip through and sort of like I don't know, almost teleport yourself through little time teleporties yeah. here and there and everywhere. That's not a bad power to have. Yep. It's kind of a big deal. There's also the moment where just before Thor leaves, he call he um I think Mjolnir is turned into like an umbrella in that moment and he leaves it somewhere. Yes. And then he calls for it and they're just standing there and you just hear crash, 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 bang, bang. And Thor's just like <laughs> Sorry about that. Oopsie. My bad. Uh, you can fix that with your magic, right? Like, I don't know. It's good. I, I think... Pretty sure Doctor Strange is not a huge Thor fan. No. I feel like he would not appreciate someone coming in and trashing his house. I no. don't think that would make him very happy. He doesn't seem like a big anything fan, to be fair. No. Like, even when we see him later on in Infinity War, I don't get the impression that he likes Tony Stark. I don't get the impression that he likes Peter Parker. I don't get the impression that he likes, you know... Uh, Chris Pratt or Mantis or Drax or any of these other people he ever interacts I, to, with. To be fair, I don't know that I would like half of them either. <laughs> Maybe not. But um, I like... He the... seems like everything is basically like a minor inconvenience of his day is how he treats most things. I think that's fair. <laughs> but, you know, we mentioned how like this is such a more comedic and funny side of Thor and uh, that playing him off against Doctor Strange, who, you know, in his movie, he had his quips and whatnot, but he is a... Generally the straight man. Yeah, he's gotten... At the end of his movie, he is a much more serious, I am protecting this world slash New York, you know, deal. And so giving them, you know, the silliness of Chris Hemsworth versus the stoic, like, I don't take this shit. He's gotten somewhere to channel his pretentiousness. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it was fun. I like the dynamic between the two of them. So, we get through that. And Sakaar. Yes. The the land of... Garbage, really. Yeah. It is a garbage planet. Thor lands in a heap of garbage. <laughs> yes. And immediately is swarmed by some natives. Which, there aren't really natives to Sakaar, since people are thrown there as garbage. Yes. Um, but garbage people, garbage planet. That's where all the garbage goes. <laughs> it's true. Uh, but he is... Uh, some scrapper people like try to grab him. And then she shows up. She shows up. And I, watching this moment, I knew... Or I, I didn't know. But I had a very strong suspicion that you were going to love Tessa Thompson in this movie. <laughs> as Valkyrie. It was, And it was accurate. Yeah. <laughs> when she comes out of her ship... And swaggers down the ramp and then falls off of it because she's drunk. She has won my heart immediately. (laughs) She's so good. (laughs) One of the best character entrances in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. She (laughs) has just, just, just exudes this aura of like, not like any of the other characters you've seen. Like Tony drinks. We saw all that. But, and he can be kind of a fun drunk, but he's also a very terrifying disaster drunk person 
Yes, he occasionally likes to get into his Iron Man suit and fly around destroying everything when he gets drunk. So, <laughs> yes. um, but Valkyrie is very much like she's kind of like an incompetent drunk. She's like, I still know what I got to do, but now it's ten times harder because I can't walk straight. And now she looks silly falling off of her ramp, or I don't know. I just I like that. She's a little, little self-destructive. A little bit. Miss Valkyrie. Yes. She's very fun, though. Yeah. 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 So, she's the one that captures Thor. Uh, which, Even again... after falling off her ramp. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she, she like, hooks up the guns of her ship to, like, her arms virtually and, like, fires them. Kind of like Shuri will eventually do with her own wrist arm things in Black Panther. And, uh, yeah, you know, Thor, like, very thankful. Hey, thanks for helping me. Yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me where I am? I need to get home. And she's like, no. And, like, throws a thing, and, <laughs> like a little shock collar thingy and sticks it to his neck and uh, captures him. Ta-da. It's that easy to defeat Thor. He's not looking so good in this movie so far. No. Things aren't going well for him. He does so well against Surtur. And then Doctor Strange makes him look like a fool. Hela completely ruins him and destroys Mjolnir. And now Valkyrie is like, shrug. Drunken, drunken Valkyrie is over here just capturing him. Yeah, not not even breaking a sweat. No. Uh, so that brings us to Sakaar. A lot of things going on in Sakaar. A lot of stuff going on there. Uh, so Loki's been there for a while. Now, up until this point in the movie, I was sort of semi-interested Kind of like how I was in the other Thor movies. I was I was super into the play scene. Like, yeah. really like that. The rest of it, I was like, eh, Doctor Strange showed back up. Not my favorite. I was like... The vibe's a little bit better. Meh. And then we got here, and things took a turn. Yes. Uh, so Loki's been there for a little bit. Kind of ingratiated yeah. himself into the, the powers that be. Yes, he's been sucking up to the leader of the planet. The Grand Master. The Grand Master. Played by another Jurassic Park alum, your favorite. Yeah. Well, not, I don't know. There's so many people that are your favorites. Uh, Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. Who, when you say that people are my favorite, you are often saying it sarcastically, as you are in this case. But <laughs> he is pretty great in this role. He, I mean, Kind of perfect. I mean, he's playing himself. Yeah. He's basically just Jeff Goldblum. Yes. With face paint. Be yourself. But fancier and in charge of this alien planet. Yes. Okay. With a... I'm on board. What, what do they call it? The, um... The, it's like a destroying stick he has. <laughs> I don't Just like a, a rod that he touches people with and it just like evaporates them into nothingness. I could use one of those. <laughs> uh, it's pretty... There's a lot happening in Sakaar that I think if you like scratch beneath the surface it quickly loses any sense of logic but i think the movie moves very quick and the characters are so outlandish and great that you don't have time to think about that sort of thing no you know like this little thing that sticks to thor's neck is more powerful than a demigod question mark stop questioning you know just go with it yeah so just accept it and move on (laughs) grandmaster goldblum is in control of sakaar and in the process... <laughs> Did you say Grandmaster Goldblum? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and by being such, he orchestrates uh, 
some some arena some arena games yeah who doesn't like a good arena game and it's a lot of fun yeah it kind of you know who, who wouldn't given the option you know want to pit captain america versus ant-man in a fight in a fight to unconsciousness you know who wouldn't want to see um iron man face off against i don't know not captain america but <laughs> captain america fights it. captain america versus <laughs> yeah, everyone captain america versus everyone iron man versus loki just one on one you know just an equip off really they don't even need to fight <laughs> or peter parker versus peter quill you know like you could just you could just smash up any two characters black widow versus scarlet witch whatever you want to do um like that's so cool and while i think this I think the kind of idea and like some of the characters that we meet who have been in the gladiator ring and, and arena don't seem to have powers. They seem to just be fighters, um, which I think is true up until we get to Thor showing up. Uh, you know, even everyone else, even the champion is basically just a fighter. Yes. Albeit perhaps the strongest, <laughs> most resilient fighter there can be. He's a little special. He's a little special. But at the end of the day, he's a very strong person who fights. Yeah. It's sort of like Gladiator. If you had the movie Gladiator and those games, but with aliens. Yeah. That's pretty much what this is here. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Because we don't really get an explanation. Like you said, it's just this planet full of people who knows really where they came from, but they've just been kind of tossed there. So you don't really know these people's backgrounds. No. But... They are here, yeah, and uh, they're just living their best lives. <laughs> living their best. Um, are they really? Some of them are. Probably not the ones getting. M- many of them are slaughtered not. in the gladiator. We games. meet. Uh, what's his name? Um, oh man, uh, Korg. 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 Rockman. Korg. Yeah. Voiced by Taika Waititi. <gasps> good to me. Yes, very good. He's a lot of fun. He is a lot of fun. Um, it's so interesting to see um, Korg being this giant rock guy, and then he has Taika Waititi's, you know, Kiwi voice. His, his <laughs> new his New Zealand voice comes out of this giant guy. It's very yeah, very nasally. You know, you would expect it to be a gravelly, deep sounding voice, and Taika is very much not that. No, it's just like a very gentle, like melodic, yeah. fluty voice. Yeah, it doesn't and... look like it belongs to like a giant man of rocks. Uh-uh. Um, he's got his, uh, little friend, the little, um, the little worm thing that's, like, <laughs> equipped in that, like, giant mech suit. Giant, quote-unquote, but, like, yeah, I was gonna say, human-sized like, I mech suit. Yeah, not super um, big. That's really, uh, I like that. Uh, you've got, uh, Rachel House, who is also in Hunt for the Wilder People, is playing the second-in-command person to the Grandmaster. The older woman who is always, she's always the one like, do you want to use the death stick? <laughs> she's very serious. She plays very much against Jeff Goldblum. Who's like, no, of course not. No. What are you Waving his arms around yes, really nilly. Flailing. Yes. That is Jeff Goldblum. If me. you cross the two of them together, you would basically turn into me. Oh no. Do I want to use my death stick? Probably. Yes. Flailing my arms. Gallivanting about. Um... You get, uh, there's a, 
great joke of um, where Korg, Thor doesn't really introduce himself to Korg, and Korg tell, eventually tells him about, there's like a skeleton sitting next to them at one point, whose name was Doug. No, Doug. Poor Doug. Poor Doug. And Thor's like, you know, he's the new guy. No one's ever seen him here before. And he's like, I'm just going to go out and go beat the champion and I'll get out of here. And just be like that. He's yeah. a demigod. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah. Except fight a drunk girl. Apparently. Or his older sister. Or a wizard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so Korg, event, without knowing his name, when he leaves, is like, it's like, good luck, new Doug. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Pre- predicting his inevitable demise. Uh. And, you know, that's when we meet the champion. The champion. Thor, he's got like his battle helmet. He picked up a new weapon. He's yep. ready to go. He's like, I'm the strongest. I can yes. beat anyone you put up against me. Go strolling out into the arena like, here I am, bitches. Look at me. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, up until that point, there's no reason to doubt that. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he's had his troubles in the last few minutes of the movie. He is still Thor. But he's still Thor. Yeah. Then the doors open. The crowd is chanting. They kind of, I think at one point they scan through the audience and you can like see lots of green. Yes. A lot of people holding up green signs and, and, you know, things like that. Jeff Goldblum is up in the box and he's like looking down. He's so excited. Loki is sitting right next to him. Loki does not know who the champion is either. Yes, because he also, he hasn't been there that long either. No, but he's, he cannot wait for to, he, he's... I forget. I think he's absolutely like, all right, Thor's Thor's going to get his ass beat. Yes. And I cannot wait. And Loki's so excited for that. So he's on the edge of his seat. Yes, a hundred billion years of being the little brother and getting his (laughs) ass beat. And finally he shall get his revenge. Yes. And then I think like the ground starts to shake as the champion makes his way to the arena. Yes, I think they open up the door or whatever that he's behind. Mm -hmm. Which... To be fair, he could fit through without breaking that door, but the energy, he just, What's he's so point? full of energy, he just breaks through uh, the doorway anyway, and out comes Hulk. The Hulk. My man. <laughs> this is, I'm going to like step back a second. This is a moment in, a, in, in all film history that I've seen that was another point of why I stopped watching trailers. Because this yes. moment is in the trailer for this movie. Oh. And I bet it sold a lot of tickets. But man, can you imagine this moment not knowing Hulk is in this movie? I can, because I didn't. Yeah! How yeah. great was that? That was great! Yeah! It was. I was like, holy shit! <laughs> I'm like, look it! Yeah! Yes! So good. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, it's still awesome, even if you knew watching it. But man, I, oh, it's, it would be a hundred times better to just not know. And just all of a sudden he comes strolling out, all hopped out, like, yeah. here I am. So Hulk, who we also haven't seen since Age of Ultron, was not in Civil War. No, last we saw he was flying off into Nothing. No Man's Land yeah. because he did not trust himself around Black Widow. Yeah. As Hulk. As Hulk. Yeah. So he hasn't been. He's left. He has not been Bruce Banner in two years plus. Yeah. So who knows what that means at this point, but it's a big deal. Yeah. And Thor 
is ecstatic. His buddy! I know that guy! We work together! Yeah! <laughs> Such a good line. Um, and uh, so then we cut over to like Loki, who's like, oh no. <laughs> this is the last person I wanted to see. This is Loki's nightmare. Yeah. Um, first of all, Hulk is the one that, like, swung Loki back and forth like a ragdoll in Avengers. Yes. Second of all, he knows that they're friends. Uh, he doesn't know that as Hulk, he kind of can't be controlled at all. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this is, uh, taking a turn. <laughs> yes. And, like, during this little brief exchange, the Grandmaster is just kind of like, what? What yeah. is happening? Yeah. What is, what is going on? Because I think as all this happens, Thor's just, like, strolling up to the Hulk, like, hey! He's like, let's let's get out of here. Let's, yeah. you know, we can get out of here. And, uh, doesn't go so well. No. Things are not quite as they seem. Yes. They fight. Kind of. To a degree. Hulk mostly beats up Thor. Yeah. First, <laughs> first minute or two is, is just Thor, like, trying to appeal to reason with the Hulk. Which... Uh, makes perfect sense for Thor. He is not the smartest guy in the room. Uh, of course he appeals to a giant green monster with logic and reason. Yeah, why wouldn't you? That I seems don't know. like the best mode of attack, probably. Yeah. How else are you going to get him to stop? Yeah. So, uh, after getting punched and beaten a little bit, he uh, realizes it's not working. And uh, he's got he's to gotta actually fight. And, you know, it's one of those things where we see Hulk and Thor as they're actually fighting each other. They're both getting their hits in. But like a lot of these fights we see between the superheroes in these movies, Thor looks exactly the same after like five punches from the Hulk. Yes. Hulk looks absolutely fine after a couple of punches and whatnot from, from Thor. Yeah, there's not a lot of, like, bloody noses and no. black eyes. No one looks tired. Broken limbs. No one looks weaker. Nothing like that. Yeah, well, I don't know that I would expect them to. No, I, I wouldn't either. Uh, then, things get turned up a little bit. Um, I think there's a point where Hulk is, like, on top of Thor and, like, punches him, pummels him into the ground, like, <laughs> yes. five or six times. He, like, whips him back and forth. And Loki, like, stands up and cheers, like, now you know what it's like! <laughs> um, and so, you know, a lot of great moments in the fight. And uh, then you have, finally, Thor kind of, like, awakens his inner powers of thunder. So, part of this, ever since he arrived, he, like, says it to the Grandmaster, like, five times, I'm the god of thunder. And, like, he, like, gets made fun of. Yeah. He's, like, he, like, tries to, like, summon thunder when he's in front of the Grandmaster and, like, nothing shows up. <laughs> he's, like, not even a, not even a little spark. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, put under this great amount of stress. Beat and pummeled, uh, perhaps more so than he's ever been in his life. Yeah, I don't think there's I, a lot of people in NASCAR who can beat up Thor. No. We've seen before. Uh, yeah. Uh, he summons the lightning and now while i think they were fairly evenly matched up until that point thor has the advantage 
and so much so that he starts overpowering Hulk. He is very close to defeating him, but Grandmaster, sitting up in his box, pulls out a little doohickey. Doohickey. The thing he got from Valkyrie, still attached to the little shit thing on his neck, sends, apparently, such a powerful shock through the god of thunder that it renders him immobile, paralyzed. Again, scratch beneath the surface, there's some questions. But, suffice to say, renders him, you know, out of the competition. Hulk... Again, despite being on the losing end of this fight, stands up, fine, jumps like 3,000 feet into the air, and like lands fist first on Thor's face. (laughs) Ta-da! Yeah. The end. Yep. (laughs) Uh, So while Doug probably died instantly. I would imagine. I'm dead! (laughs) Doug probably would have died a very long time ago. Oh, well, sure, fight. sure. Doug's de- Doug's been dead for a while. Thirty hundred foot <laughs> drop punch to kill old buddy Doug. We don't know. Maybe Doug, we don't know who Doug was. Yeah, maybe Doug was the thing they designed the neck bolt for. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. I like that thought. Yeah. Uh, Thor's fine though. I mean, he takes him a second to recover, but yeah. ultimately he's fine. Yeah. And. Um. We get to a, basically an extended sequence uh, between Thor and Hulk outside of the fight, just chatting. Yeah, it almost looks like they're roommates. A little bit. In their dungeon or wherever, prison area. I mean, Hulk's kind of the star of the show, so he seems like he's pretty content with what's happening. Yeah. And I don't know if, I don't know how Thor got into his room, but that kind of seems like they're roommates. Sort of. Yeah. It's a little interesting. Um, we find out that uh, Hulk and Valkyrie train together. Yeah, they're buddies. Yeah, good friends. <laughs> yes. Uh, which is interesting, because I don't know what Valkyrie could teach Hulk. Well, you figure Hulk is mostly just, like, a rage monster. He's very strong, but, like, he doesn't well, really know how to fight fight other than to just, I don't know, rage out. I don't know if Valkyrie taught him some techniques, maybe. perhaps. Maybe. He seems very fond of her. Yes. She thinks he's hilarious. Yes. She's a big fan. Uh, Thor wants to escape. Wants to enlist Hulk's help. He's not part of it. Wants to enlist Valkyrie's help. She's not interested. No. Hulk loves it here, by the way. Well, he, who wouldn't? Yeah, he's like the they star of the show. Him. Everybody loves him. They all have like the green signs and the big green masks. Yep. So he thinks it is awesome here he's all about it yes but uh yeah valkyrie i should think she just doesn't want to go back yeah she has a little bit of a backstory she's got a backstory so tessa thompson of valkyrie yes great love her Mm -hmm. Uh, she was she her name isn't really valkyrie Exactly. Valkyrie was a... No, Valkyrie is the race of warrior women that she was a part of. Yeah. They wore, they rode the Pegasi. Pegasuses? Pegasus? Definitely not Pegasus. <laughs> Pegasus. Um, she was a Pegasus knight. 
effectively. And we get a flashback, a gorgeous shot of like a fleet of her. Oh, well, not her, but them. Yes. Uh, fighting Hela. Just like thousands against Hela. Yes. And she decimates them. Yes. Valkyrie is the sole survivor, pretty much, of the... As far as we're aware, yeah. Yeah. So she's got she's got her uh, her baggage. Yep. She's got her, her issues with Hela, as well as uh, Asgard. Because and... mm-hmm. that was what they were, weren't they? The army of Asgard, basically, I Yeah, they were... Well, they were all women. Mm-hmm. They were just the female division, question mark? Question mark. Um, so, uh, yeah, there, there's definitely a history there. Thor kind of, like, appeals to her at one point, and she's like, I'm, uh, that life's behind me. I'm not that anymore. So. Yeah. She just drinks and hangs out here. Yeah. Because is she one of the people that fights in the arena? Can't no, I? she's no. a scrapper. She yeah. finds them, or she finds the grass and grandmaster, like, people to fight. Gotcha people to sacrifice to hold basically <laughs> uh, yeah so some good i don't know there's a good banter I, I mean i could spend we could spend hours just dissecting every joke in this movie and re- just reiterating them but ultimately uh thor escapes he's on the lamb mm-hmm. and he gets to the quinjet that Hulk flew. Yep. He finds that. Mm-hmm. And he's in it for about a minute. He tries to log into it. And it's programmed by Tony Stark. And the, the computer's like, identification. And he's like, the strongest Avenger. <laughs> <laughs> and the computer's like, denied. <laughs> no. And he, uh, he, like, he tries variations of the strongest Avenger. Tries this, tries that. And then he finally sighs and he's like, point break. He's like, access granted. What's that face? I don't get it. You don't get it? No. So, point break is a very silly movie yes. that predominantly men of a certain age that were a lot, <laughs> that were of a certain age when the movie itself came out, uh, quite enjoy. Along the lines of, say, a Top Gun. Mm, one uh, of those. It's one of those. But I know exactly the type of people that would like that movie. Me too. Yeah. Uh, but it's got a young Keanu Reeves. Oh, yes. I know what Point Break is. Yeah. Surfing movie? Yes. Yes. And so when... Now, we didn't. We kind of skipped over. He gets his hair cut before he enters the arena. Oh, yes. By Stan Lee. Yes. The haircut person. Which... Uh, Thor is not not happy about it at all, but he looks so 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 much better with the short hair. Yeah, he really does. So much better. Yes, team shorter hair. Mm-hmm. Usually, I'm about a man bun, but he doesn't wear his hair like that anyway. So no, no. But when he has longer hair, he looks very similar to Swayze in Point Break. Oh, I believe. Okay. I think that's why Tony calls him Point Break. <laughs> Mm-hmm. He refers to him as Point Break in the first Avengers movie at one point. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so he's Point Break. And just as he's about to get off and fly, Hulk shows up. Don't leave me, friend! 
and destroys the Quinjet because he's enormous. Not good. No. Because meanwhile, we kind of skipped over the part, well, will their roomies, Hulk is, well, Thor is trying to talk to Hulk. Yes. And before we had seen that Hulk is kind of, had been basically nonverbal before. Right. Whereas here he semi-verbal. Well, you figure he's been Hulk for, you know, a little over two years in a row straight. Yeah. So he's got two years of... Learning at least to interact a little bit. Yep. So most of the time it's Thor trying to convince him to leave and Hulk being like, no. Want to stay. Want to stay. Yes. Big fan of semi-verbal Hulk. Yes. Semi-verbal Hulk is fun. Yeah. Uh, He eventually becomes full-verbal Hulk, which isn't quite as fun. Yeah. But eventually, basically, Thor sort of keeps working on him to try and convince him to leave. Mm-hmm. And that he needs to go back. And he has responsibilities and he can't just hang out here on uh, Grandmaster Goldblum's planet. Just right. beating people up. And Hulk's trying to be like, mm, But I can. I want to. I like it here. This is the best place. Yeah. But, you know, Bruce Banner's still in there. A little bit. So, eventually, Hulk kind of relents a little bit. And in the Quinjet, he sees, I think they play a recording of Natasha. Yes. The same one that she sent when he was on, he was leaving. Yeah. She had called up and was talking to him on the video of the jet, trying to convince him to stay. Yeah. And it triggers him into not being Hulk anymore. (gasps) Mark Ruffalo appears. And I, it's, it's such a weird pairing. Thor and uh, Thor and, and Bruce Banner. Yeah, Thor, Thor and Hulk, Hulk goes together. Yes, not so much Bruce Banner. No, but that's what makes it a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, you know, like they're walking through the parade, and like, uh, Mark Ruffalo's like, it's like as long as I don't have to see Green ever again, and like they turn the corner, and it's like a giant parade about the Hulk, and he gets <laughs> sprayed in the face with blue dust or green dust. <laughs> ridiculous um you have thor like trying to blend in and hide his face and like he just basically just has like a shawl over his head like we know what you are and he's like what about me (laughs) covers the bottom half of the face um it's very silly uh they eventually find run into valkyrie yes and um she's like I think they're looking for Hulk. She and Loki have to find Hulk. Because the Grandmaster's like, do it. Get it. I need my champion. I need my champion. Can't have a giant parade for the Hulk. Hulk's not anywhere. Right. And so they're both like, I can find him in this many hours. I can find him in this many hours. Like, okay, you both have two hours. Let's go. Or whatever. And they find Valkyrie. She doesn't know that Hulk and Bruce Banner are the same person. Yeah, because he's been Hulk the whole time he's been there, so. Right. And they eventually decide to, uh, you know, escape with her. They convince her to go with her. To go with them. <laughs> there they you convince go. Convince her to go with them. Yes. And they already have Loki. She has Loki. She captured Loki. The details are getting hazier. I don't know why you're looking at me like I'm going to have any idea. I, 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 um, well, um, <laughs> Loki was like, they they all returned back to like her apartment. 
thing, and like they Loki's like there tied up. Oh, because what was she trying to don't doesn't want them get something if they get the Hulk first? Yeah, or something not die or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if somebody's like gonna that. get poked. Whoever loses with the poke stick. <laughs> yeah, the the death stick. So I imagine yeah, she probably just threw him in her apartment and left. Yeah. Uh, there's a point where Thor throws a, a can at Loki because he <laughs> yes. showed up as an as an image before. Yes, when they're waiting in the hallway, I think when he's with Korg. Yes, he like throws a rock and it just like goes right through him. Yes. Like, Did you really think I was going to be here? And he does it again this time, and it just clatters <laughs> off of his like head. Yes, I enjoyed that also. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we've got our group, our little motley band of. <laughs> Uh, the Defenders. Is that what they call themselves? Because, like, remember. Thor tries to give them a name. It wasn't the Revengers, was it? Oh, it might have been. The Revengers. I think that's yeah, what it is. The Revengers. Oh, <laughs> um, yes. So. They. They. Uh, they liberate the gladiators. Quark. Yep. To help everybody out. The liberation has begun. And Thor and Loki have to go steal a ship. They go steal the Grandmaster ship since the Quinjet is no longer functional. Mm-hmm. And that's when Loki... Or they do the thing. What's um, The thing. Oh, the thing you mentioned it before. Where like they're on the elevator talking to oh, each other. Oh, the uh, help my brother's dying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes. yes. And so, like, they come out of the elevator, and Thor's, like, supporting Loki, and yeah, then... Yeah, Loki's like, no, I don't want to do... I don't oh, know. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. And then they cut right to, like, them Thor being it. like, my brother, my brother needs help! <laughs> like, dragging, needs help. dragging Dragon. Loki along. <laughs> and then just throws him. Just throws him into the other people. <laughs> it's such a stupid plan. That's why Thor came up with it. I don't know why it's a thing that even has a name. Clearly they've done this before for some reason. And I think that's, like, the funny part, is that, like, we've always seen, like, Loki and Thor as antagonists. Well, I mean, they're brothers. Yeah. They both live on Asgard, and apparently they're like, this is how we're gonna fight people. Yes. <laughs> they, I can, like, picture them as, like, kids. Just, like, bickering back and forth. And also, like, coming up with, like, oh, man, wouldn't it be really sweet? Like, Thor, like, presents, like, oh, it'd be really cool. Like, you pretend you're hurt, and we'll approach some people, and when they let down their guards... I'll throw you at them. <laughs> and Loki just like, that's an awful plan. I hate it so much. Yeah. And Thor's like, no, 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 no. It's, it's going to be good. It's going to be so perfect. It's You'll see. Fine. You'll see. Yeah. Uh, so they do that, which is great. And uh, they, you know, they kill all the people and do whatsoever. They get to all the ships and we see Loki create an illusion of himself to follow Thor as he scampers off to go do a different thing. And basically betray him. Because that's what Loki does in every movie. It's true. He cooperates for like five minutes and then he's like, okay, back to what I want to do now. I've seen my opening. This is where I get what I want and you get nothing. (laughs) And it's interesting because, you know, we've obviously seen him betray Thor many times. Mm -hmm. We've never seen it from that point of view before. Like, we never get to, like, we aren't in on it until Thor's in on it in all the other movies. Yeah, we're always from the view of the protagonists who are just like, oh, there's Loki over here doing this thing. Yeah. Or he disappears or he does whatever. We right. never see, like, here's what he's doing. Here's Yeah, this is what's been going on behind the scenes. Yeah. And this time we actually do see the split 
And then when his vision disappears, we're not surprised by it. And also Thor's not surprised by it because he put the little shocky thing <laughs> on Loki. <laughs> yes. Which is great. Yeah. Like, again, can't reiterate enough. Thor is not the smartest person in the world. No. But. He repetition, learns eventually. He figures it out. Finally. Yeah. Like, this is. Loki's probably only going to be cooperative for so long before yeah. he tries to do something stupid. Yeah. Well, not stupid, but. Self serving. Yes. So, yeah. He gets the better of Loki. Yeah. And renders him paralyzed and uh, yeah. just leaves, grabs the ship. And uh, picks yeah, up. I think that was an interesting part. It's not, it's not like he like rendered him useless and dragged him off with him. He's just like, no, fuck you. Yeah, he just leaves him behind. <laughs> you're gonna act like that. You're gonna stay here. Have fun. Uh, so he grabs. So he's got like, uh, he. In the meantime, I think Valkyrie and Mark Ruffalo are in her ship, and then Thor grabs the Grand Master ship. They're both flying away. All the other ships come after them, including Rachel House in one of the ships. And they're all trying to get to the Grand Master ship. And Thor and Valkyrie, like, jump out and, like, go destroy things on their own, which is awesome. And then what is, uh, I think it's Bruce Banner's, like, testing all the buttons in the ship. And, like, one just starts, like, a dance party inside the <laughs> ship. And, like, there's no weapons at all. Yeah. It doesn't seem to be. And eventually presses one that just, like, shoots fireworks out the ship. <laughs> which is, like, so Grandmaster. It's so great. It's so Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. If I could put that, like, on my car somehow, I probably would. <laughs> <laughs> Instant party. Instant party in my car. Yes. And uh, they eventually flee into um, the giant, giant portal thing. That has a specific name that I don't avoid. That's probably not giant portal thing. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, but probably not. Um, it's, it's like it's like Satan's butthole or something like that. It's like <laughs> Thor's like, we're going through the big portal. And Valkyrie's like, oh, you mean Satan's butthole or whatever the heck it is. <laughs> I think it's something like that. And he's like, I didn't know that's what it was when I chose it. <laughs> and so they that basically they flee and they get away and Grandmaster's pissed and Loki's left behind. But they escape. They escape. Yeah. And some indeterminate amount of time passes between the escape and when they finally get back to Asgard. Because I know it doesn't lead straight to Asgard from that portal. But they have to kind of, like, figure it out as they get there. Um, which is, uh, brings us to the, kind of the climax of the movie. Yeah, I feel like, how long have we been talking? I feel like we've a been lot. talking for hours and we're, like, to only, like, halfway to two-thirds through the movie. We are an hour and 20 minutes into this episode. Goodness gracious. It's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, so they all show up in Asgard. Yes. The, you get the needle drop, um... Black Sabbath song? Maybe. Oh, man. 
You know what I'm talking about, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it is. I'm not I'm not a big classic rock. Yeah, I'm not real up with my classic rock. We need um, we need Brandon here for this. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a great moment. Yeah. Thor, like, flying through the air with his uh, lightning. Yes. Uh, they do the fight stuff. Um, he does the fight stuff, rather. Valkyrie and Bruce are uh, are still up in the the plane ship. Hela sends all her people out to fight. Yep. They all crowd, or rather, all the people are escaping. So in the meantime, Hela like raised her dead dog and all the dead people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Idris Elba led all the six uh, survivors. He's going to take them to the Bifrost and send them away. Yes. They're on the bridge. Thor shows up. Uh, just as the other enemy, the just as all Hela's people show up. And he jumps over the good people to attack the bad people. And uh, pretty easy for him, I would say. He doesn't have any problems dispatching them. Um, And then the dog shows up. Or Hela shows up first. Dog shows up. I forget the sequencing of the order. But suffice to say, it ends up with Thor, Valkyrie, and Loki, who brings all the, like, revolutionary people with him, Mm -hmm. uh, fighting, facing off against Hela. Mm Mm-hmm. You have the like lesser knowns against the rest of the faceless mob. Yes. And Bruce Banner jumps out of the ship because he's going to go face the dog. Yes. And he's like, I'll be fine. And Valkyrie just looks at him like, what is happening? <laughs> and he just jumps out. No parachute, no safety net. And, you know, the implication being in midair, I'm going to turn into the Hulk, land on the bridge and beat the shit out of this dog. And uh, the body of Mark Ruffalo <laughs> slaps against the bridge like a rag doll. No! And, like, <laughs> falls into the water, basically. So bad. He just, like, trickles, just, like, splat. So good. <laughs> Such a good moment. And the dog, because, like, the dog had started to run. Fenris is the dog. And then and it just kind of, like, stops. It's like, okay, great. And, all right, I'm good. All right, well, uh. Guess we'll okay. go eat somebody else now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, turns out it was just like a slow acting Hulk transformation. Yeah. He grabs the dog and throws it into the water and they end up both in the water fighting. Which is sad. I like the dog. Yes, poor doggy. It's not bad. It's owner's bad. Yes, it's true. But he defeats the dog. Yes. Whatever that actually entails, I don't fully know because they don't show it but suffice to say he defeats the dog uh dis uh oh there's also there's like an entire like one-on-one scene between hella and thor <laughs> in the castle that happens already i think before this but uh and so even with the lightning he still can't beat her no she's pretty tough she takes his eye out yeah which is pretty. Forgot about that. Yeah. Pretty big deal. Yep. Um, it's not quite as one-sided as it had been, but she's definitely still more powerful than him. Yes. And then when they're on the bridge, even with Loki and Valkyrie, she's still more powerful. Like they can kind of stay with her, but she's she's just too strong. Yeah. It's it's really difficult. And so it's one of those things where. Okay, so they're all stronger now, but the villain 
how that so how do they beat her right i, I remember yeah. thinking that watching this movie i'm like okay yeah up until this point i'm like well these three aren't gonna beat up beat up hella like very unlikely right um and this even ho- with hulk who i forgot about him wasn't there yeah there's four of them and they're yeah. still not gonna beat her up no so the solution loki grabs the defunct grandmaster ship i think it like crashes onto the bridge at one point and flies it over to asgard's castle and point of interest grabs the tesseract yes that could come in handy at some point that might might come up again later and also grabs the horns of surtur and throws that into the resurrection pit that the resurrection pit i don't know <laughs> Whatever the whatever happens, he reanimates Surtur with the flame, I think. There's a flame that he uses to reanimate Surtur. Yeah. Uh, and Basically, he does some Loki voodoo yeah. to reanimate the fire god who got beat up before. Right. And so, on the one hand, I'm like, okay, well, Thor beat him up like he was nothing. But when we, we'll go all the way back to that first conversation, he talks about Ragnarok, the destruction of Asgard, yes. what he's going to do. And bring about the Ragnarok. Yeah. And so basically they're like, all right, go, go to it. Have at it. And uh, because they are all their people are on the ship, they can fly away. Yes, Hella. The... Yeah. The plan is basically all the people are on the ship. They're just going to go find a new planet to live on. Yeah. And they're just going to let the fire God and Hella duke it out. And peace out. They're done here. <laughs> yes. Basically. Uh-huh. And. For the fi- first time, we see Hela outmatched, yes. which is good. Um, Asgard is destroyed. Uh, pretty much, yeah. Which brings up another question of mine, which is, what's happened to Surtur? Does he just exist in space? Is he scrounging around the rubble of this planet? Is he off somewhere else? Is his duty is is what he, is his is his uh, is his mission completed and now he disappears? I don't yeah. know. Does he basically blow himself up in the process of destroying this planet? Right, or is he now a future threat that needs to be dealt with yet again somewhere down the line? I don't think we'd ever see him again, but no, doesn't strike again, me that it's a little open ended. Uh, but yeah, Asgard is a people. Not a place. Yes. Which is a great it was a great great little moment. Mm-hmm. Everything seems to be looking pretty good. Pretty much. Yeah. Well, you know, bummer that they have to leave their planet, but Yeah. They all get to go together. Yeah. Everyone that we're everyone that we recognize has lived. Yep. Uh, outside of the people that have already died. Like the Warriors Three and <laughs> Yes, and the Odin. Minion Man Minion. eventually. Turns. Sacrifice him, sacrifices yeah, yeah, yeah. himself at the end. Basically realizes, like, I don't really want to be that bad of a bad guy. And Hell is pretty bad. He's no. like, I would like to be, like, a mid-level bad guy. <laughs> so he eventually helps. Because he dies, doesn't he? I think he sacrificed himself to do something. I believe, yeah, he, like, jumps off of the ship as it's flying away and with his guns and, like, shoots all the zombie people. Yeah, to make sure that he the wants to be... actual people can go get away. He wants to be a bad boy, not a bad guy. 
Yes. Nice job. Thanks. Um, <laughs> cool. So that's kind of the end of the proper Thor Ragnarok. Thor is now king of Asgard. Yeah. And uh, they're off looking for a new place to live. Mm-hmm. And then we get a little end credit scene. Yeah, they don't get too far. No. Giant ship appears right in front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's worth noting. noting uh, yeah, noting. Uh, Thor Ragnarok comes out in November of 2017. Uh, at this point, anyone keeping up with the Marvel Cinematic Universe at that time knows the next year's slate of films, mm-hmm. uh, which wasn't you in 2017. <laughs> no, not me. But we know that coming up in February is Black Panther. And then in April is Avengers Infinity War. And everybody's excited for it. And this giant ship is Thanos. Not great. Mm-mm. No. Nobody's. Might have been better off hanging out with Hela and the Fire God. Almost, yeah. Uh, yeah. For some of them, absolutely. For almost all of them, it seems like. Yeah. We'll yeah. S- we'll see. Um, so that's that's the end of, of Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. That, that was a little longer than I intended. Yeah, we... We kind of, um... You know, we... Again, looking back at the movies we, when we talked about them in the beginning, when it was like 20 to 30 minutes of film. Yeah. On the one hand, uh, we didn't really go scene by scene with those movies either. Yeah. It was more broad strokes. Yeah. But I think... I think I've mentioned this before. In my opinion, a lot of times the movies got better right. the further along you went. So there's more to discuss. Plus more of the intermingling. Mm-hmm. The setup of the big... Thanos. Yeah, the big storyline that's connecting everything. Right. Whereas the first movies, you didn't really get a lot of that. No. Yeah, it's it's not, a bit more standalone. You could kind of just. But and it helps that you know there's more because like we're more invested in these movies. We like we both like the Ragnarok quite a bit. Uh, that yeah we want to talk about much more of the specifics in those movies yes um as opposed to say thor the dark world yeah that was a movie or even 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 a movie that like i like iron man is very simple in its execution yeah um so that's kind of how that turns out into a 20 minute recap of iron man becomes a one and a half hour recap of thor ragnarok yeah so because it took us so long (laughs) to talk through thor ragnarok we took a little break yeah had some dinner yeah refreshed i have wine now (laughs) yes (laughs) Uh, and now now an hour and a half in we are going to start talking about the next film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. First film released in February in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. 2018 Black Panther. Yay! (laughs) There was... I was so excited for this. And I can't really put into words why. I, I mean, like, 
Marvel movie, so like super into it. I wasn't watching trailers by this point, so I didn't really see anything prior to the film coming out. Uh, I heard positive reactions in the like week or so leading up to it. Um, I was doing, or no, this was just before ticket tracking, so <laughs> I didn't really have an idea of it being like a giant box office sensation at this time. And, but I remember Thursday night when it opened. I went to the movie theater at 2 p.m. for a showing that started at 7. It and it's in a in a theater that had reserved seats. Oh wow. And I could I had not or no, it couldn't have had reserved seats. We were seeing it in IMAX. I wouldn't have gone early if we had reserved seats. No reserved seats, but in like a theater that seats like 500 people. Yeah, cuz it's the IMAX at the Pittsburgh AMC, right? Yeah. And at the time it didn't have reserve seating yeah but yeah so i was there five hours early uh i had my phone fully charged i had downloaded one of the older versions of a star is born onto my phone that's like three and a half hours long <laughs> so that i could sit and just watch it while i waited um and i never i had not waited in line for an opening movie in probably since star wars force awakens so about three years Two and a half years, uh, which was kind of a letdown because they wouldn't <laughs> let me pass the like concession stand uh, or the uh, ticket checker. I had to sit like out in the lobby area of the theater, which meant I wasn't really in line, so I wasn't holding a spot. And like I can't, I'm just gonna like go home and waste the bus fare at that point. So it was kind of a disappointment. Like they didn't let people like wait in line. Like no. you just had to like. Stand I, there? I was like standing a few feet away from like the ticket taker mm -hmm. who was gatekeeping the entire side, that side of the theater. And I was like, I'm here to see Black Panther. This is my ticket. And she was like, uh, Well, we're not letting them, let, not letting you in yet. So uh, you just have to wait. And I'm like, Okay. And so I did. And I think, like, one or two other people showed up that were doing the same thing. And so I'm just sitting there watching my movie. And, like, 6.15, 6.20-ish, I think they started finally letting people in. But by that point, the theater was open. So you could just go straight into the theater. And, you know, the people who got there an hour after me that were closer to the ticket taker than I was got ahead of me. Not that it mattered in a theater that's 500 people, but the principal yes. um so as much as i love getting to movie theaters super early on a release night and waiting in line uh which i don't say that i uh, facetiously uh that experience was not great <laughs> and i find it ironic that you like to go early and wait in line because you hate getting there before the movie starts yeah which like well because i hate the trailers well it drives me crazy i know gives me like horrific anxiety <laughs> i well because like i'm i i always wonder like i text you before i go to the movies when i like bike there on my own and i'm like you're like what time's the movie and i'm like 12 15 and then i text you at like 12 20 that i'm leaving and i'm just like it's not usually that drastic but, but it's like, close it's not yeah. generally that far off yeah and it takes me like 20 minutes to get there Usually, I think you leave like ten minutes before the movie's supposed to start. Yes, and then you usually text me like ten minutes after the movie's started, quote unquote. Yeah, that you say you got there.
either. I'm, at that point, I'm just walking into the mall. So, like, I still have a couple minutes before I even get to the seat. And that would drive you mad. Yeah. No. Yeah. We have done that a few times, and you can always tell, like, that I'm... Like, oh, yeah. You, you hate it. Yeah. Yeah. You're always, like, trying to soothe me as I'm, like, rage-walking into the theater. <laughs> yes. <laughs> While at the same time, I'm like, this is fine. Yeah, like, you're thrilled. I'm, like, perfectly content. I'm, like, having a nervous breakdown. <laughs> it doesn't go well. <laughs> uh, so, that being said, Black Panther kind of, um, I don't know, it just, it just exceeded all of my expectations for what that movie could be. And I think for what I felt a Marvel movie could be at that point. Yeah, because I, this was still, when we were watching this, we were still catching up. Like, I haven't gotten to the point yet in the movies where I'm watching them live in the theater. So this one was still one of the ones that we watched, um, I guess, for the first time as part of, like, the uh, compilation that we watched. So for me, I just remember, I think on FML like how hyped everybody was just like the discussion of it it was like huge it's like everybody freaking out about it everybody talking about how excited they were and then afterwards everybody was talking about how so it was so good and i remember the weekend it came out just kept making more money and more money for me just kept going up, 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 up yep that was a huge huge fml weekend mm-hmm. you know opening on the four day of was it President's Day or was it's it? It's the past the one, this one, right now, this tomorrow. Is, I think this is President's Day. Yeah. yeah. It opened on President's Day weekend mm-hmm. and just blew the door off all expectations, which is kind of insane. Yeah. And this is the, I think, the first like Marvel movie I remember on FML. Yes. And everybody. I know there was ones before that that were yeah, plenty. You know, on it, but this I think was the biggest hyped one that I remember. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that it opened up, you know, it made more in its opening weekend than Age of Ultron did, which is an Avengers movie. Right. It did more than Civil War. Like it, you know, it, it just decimated. You know, I think the only thing that it opened higher was uh, the first Avengers. But not if you factor that it was a four-day weekend, and ultimately okay. Black Panther made more domestically than everything else that had come out at that point. Yeah. It was kind of a... I mean, I guess we'll see when the sequel comes out if it can hold a candle to what the first one did, but it yeah. feels like kind of a once-in-a-franchise sort of event, to a degree. Yeah, to a degree. I mean, I'm offended that the next movie is taking so long to come out because I really want to like really want to see it yes and it's driving me nuts that it's taking like so long hopefully that means they're putting a lot of work and care into it yes hopefully hopefully um but uh, regardless uh so going into the movie the only thing we knew was what we had seen of Black Panther in Civil War. Yes. We saw his dad killed. Dad killed. We saw that he has a uh, short fuse regarding Black, uh, Winter Soldier. That's the start. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. By the end, he, you know, you feel like T'Cha- uh, yeah, T'Challa has kind of 
mellowed a little bit. He kind of recognizes that his blood, bloody-eyed anger, rage is um, not the correct course. And he adopts an air of kind of regality when he stops uh, Baron Zemo from killing himself. Yeah. I always feel like Black Panther's always... I feel like he's very even keeled most of the time anyway. Mm-hmm. Even when he was like, I'm gonna get Black... I'm gonna get a... Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. Yeah. Even then, he's still like on the emotional level of the Avengers, not super high up. No. He's a bit Black Widow-esque in that regard. Kind of... I'd agree. Pretty, pretty emotionally controlled. Mm-hmm. Very zen. Yeah. Not a lot of, like, rage blackout freakouts or anything else like that. Pretty mm-hmm. pretty calm. Yeah. Yeah. And so he... So I... I wasn't really sure. I, you know, like I said, I didn't watch any of the promotional material or anything. I did not know anything about this movie going into it. I didn't know what the plot was going to be. I didn't know who... I knew some of the casting, not all the casting. But it, um, what I, what I think it did for me that really sets it apart and that, and whether or not that means it's, you know, that this necessarily makes it like the best or not aside, I think a thing it does uniquely is it's able to tell a contained story within its own movie that feels Unlike some of the other Marvel, big Marvel movies, uh, particularly the ones that take place on Earth, there's always that, for me, if it's not an Avengers movie, I always question, well, why not involve the Avengers? Like, yeah. why would you not ask for help? Yeah. Uh, sort of like if you're uh, out at a bar with your buddies yeah. and somebody confronts you, your buddies are going to come help you out. Yeah. Yeah. Just, Just be like, don't worry, man, I got this by myself. Hang out. It's fun. Right. And I think the movies themselves try to make it seem like either A, everybody is off doing their own thing simultaneously, hence not being able to help. Mm-hmm. Or you have something like Ant-Man where the whole point is for this stuff to not get out and therefore they don't want other pe- more people to know about it. Right. But for me, it's because the movies are released with such wide um, wide amount of time between them, it's tough to fully recognize that. Yeah. And this movie definitely didn't... I never felt like I needed Black Panther to go get help. No. I never felt like, oh, why don't you just call Iron Man? You know, I think because they ground the story in being so personal, as opposed to just, this is a villain that wants to take over the world, it makes it, you know, it's his fight. It is absolutely T'Challa's fight. And if anybody else took over this fight for him, I would be unsatisfied. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, if somebody else came in and started fighting, yeah, it wouldn't, it like, would not have the same impact, like, no. whatsoever. And they made, I think they did a really good job of making the movie very, seem very big. And important and epic, like it felt like an Avengers, like you know, MCU mm-hmm. big movie, while still keeping it very contained, very within 
the parameters and the world of Wakanda mm-hmm. that it was in. I think it it went it was really well done. I think mm-hmm. how they did it. Yeah, you get so much mileage out of this simple relationship between T'Challa and Killmonger, Chadwick Boseman and Michael B. Jordan, that you know it that relationship on its own floats the whole movie and then some and then you add in the sh- the um, the the shuri the nakia okoye uh martin freeman's character daniel kaluuya uh angela bassett andy Sir- andy circus forest whitaker winston duke i yes. love winston duke yes. you know so many of these other people who are on the one hand facilitating the primary story but because it is written so well in my opinion it also has actual stakes narratives arcs for all these extra people that you know gives them their shine gives them their moment gives them their character their unique characteristics yeah that's what i was going to say is that even a lot of the side characters who in some of the other movies maybe aren't fleshed out or maybe aren't that important like each of the side characters in this movie are all very distinct very different they'll fit in very well and are each one's like very interesting by themselves and very well done Mm -hmm. that i really like like an iron man you get like iron man and pepper and happy yep generally are the three characters that are usually around Plus whatever bad guy or whoever right. is around. Yep. And kind of, and yeah. Like that's four people, mm-hmm. three pre- heroes and a villain. And even then, like, I wouldn't say Pepper is super fleshed out. Mm-hmm. She's I especially even, not in the early movies at all. I wouldn't say Happy's a fleshed out character. No, but he once he gets to Spider-Man and he's sort of one of the bigger characters of mm-hmm. that movie, he's certainly a lot more fleshed out than the Iron Man movies. No. No. But like you said, like you can go you know, to the, you know, third string of Black Panther and you still have really fascinating people in that movie. And we're not even talking about any of the flashback stuff with Sterling K. Brown Mm -hmm. and T'Challa's father. And, you know, like, it just... And everyone, everyone in the movie did so well. I can't think of, like, one person in the movie where I was like, "Mm, I don't like this character. I don't like how this person's doing this. Mm -mm. No. Doesn't show up. No. Um, so, so the story, we mentioned the relationship between T'Challa and Killmonger kind of being the driving force. We talked about, you know, T'Challa's dad dies in Civil War, and some time has passed before we pick up the movie here, and... Though I don't feel like a lot lot. has really passed. That's true. Uh, it hasn't been a long time, it hasn't been a really long time, but there's been a I don't know, weeks, maybe months, but mm-hmm. certainly not years, it doesn't seem. No. It because one of the early moments is T'Challa ascending to the throne. Yes. He go but, you know, we pick up with him. I think the first scene is uh outside of the sand visual effects flashback, which I like. I think the first scene is when he drops in on that like caravan and yes. and grabs uh, Nakia, Lupita Nyong'o mm-hmm. and he's like I need you 
And she's like, I'm in the middle of a mission right now. I'm busy. <laughs> and he's like, no, this is more important. Trying to help these people. Which is debatable. Yeah. I get what he's doing. I kind of wish he'd left her. But then we don't have her really in the movie. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. She was doing very important things, but... Mm-hmm. Not that, you know, his taking over the mantle of the Black Panther of the King of Wakanda isn't important. It definitely is. But... Yeah, because I think she was helping some refugees? People being human trafficked? I don't remember what she was doing. It was very important humanitarian work. Really. Yes. Yes. Whatever it was. She's fighting for enslaved women in Nigeria. Yes. Yes. Which is a very, very noble and important thing. Yes. And hopefully she returns to do that after the event. <laughs> yes, hopefully she goes back to work. Uh so so this so he grabs her and he goes through this process of communing with his ancestors. Mm-hmm. Uh which uh gives him uh or rather sorry, the, the that part happens after the trial by combat. Yes. The scene, so it's like this long scene, like he gets on this boat, the boats all go down the river, the river, like then there's this waterfall on this like sheer side of a cliff that's covered in Wakandans of all different colors, uh, clothing colors, I mean. Which sidebar, the way that they set up the world of Wakanda, gorgeous. Oh my God. The sets are beautiful in this movie. Costume, production, it just, it looks amazing. Yes, the different, uh, I guess, tribes. Tribes. And they're they're five, different, five the different times. outfits, the very distinct way that they all look. Mm-hmm. So good. The, yeah. It, the the You can setting, basically immediately tell like what tribe someone is from as soon as you see them. Yes. The setting gave, you know, all the, the designers and whatnot so much freedom to play with. And I think they just did such a wonderful job of making it as iconic as they possibly yeah. could. A little gorgeous. Yeah. And like I said, I, I still think of that shot where it, like it pulls back and you see everyone standing on that cliffside and it's, just, it's so beautiful. Yeah. And down at the bottom of where everyone's standing is T'Challa and Forrest Whitaker's characters as he being uh, the next in line to take over the throne is afforded. Or, you know, he has to uh, open up the throne to any challenger who wants to face him in a physical match. Yes, he basically gets first dibs. However, if anybody else wants to try and take the throne, they have to beat him in a fight. Yes. And at the time, there are four of the five tribes in attendance. And Shuri makes a show of, like, brother! You may be the king. <laughs> you know? Which was fun. So good. And she gets... So so nobody there is going to challenge him. Um, and then we get M'Baku. Yes. Winston Duke. Yes. Uh, leader of the mountain tribe of the Jabari who aren't really on good terms with the other four tribes. They're not the super friendliest of the tribes yeah they they have their own headstrong ideas they 
have kind of been annexed from the rest of Wakanda to a degree. So, I guess Wakanda, the main part, the Black Panther is sort of, his tribe is very technologically advanced, which mm. we see later on. I think Mountain Tribe's a bit more kind of old school. Yes. So. But each tribe, and I think of all the things that I would like to see in the next movie, is a little more identity to the tribes as to what makes them their tribe. Yeah, like I we think gotta, the other three we don't get. We don't get a ton of. Like we kind of see with um, uh, Daniel Kaluuya's tribe, the blue. They like they have the rhinos and like they have their garments like have like create a force field shield sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But I'd like yeah, I'd, I'd really like to see more about those tribes. In the next yeah. Mbaku shows up, mm -hmm. leading his people with the the chant. Uh, that he does, which is so cool. Mm -hmm. And another really great, like, MCU intro for a character. When he, he emerges out of that, like, t cave tunnel yes. with all the rest of them. And they're he just, like, he's he's a huge guy. Yeah. Big dude. Giant man. And... Very intimidating. Oh, yeah. I and... remember when he pulled up, I was like, I don't like this guy. <laughs> and I remember as distinctly that you were like, just wait. Give it time. Something's gonna happen later, and I guarantee you will love him immediately when this happens. Yes. And I was like, okay. Sure. Sure. You you seemed very skeptical. I was very skeptical. <laughs> um, but in this moment, he is protesting T'Challa's leadership. Yeah. And of course, we know that as the Black Panther, he is superhuman speed, superhuman strength superhuman resilience and endurance and uh that's not fair at all he's not that's not like mbaku has those traits no but i think the other because isn't part of the fight that he can't use that stuff yes which yeah. is yeah. yeah so before they fight because i was gonna say it's not like they don't know that right going into it he's given some sort of poultice that removes strips him of that power yeah, isn't there like a flower? There's some sort There's of There's a something. flower that gives you the power, and I think a different one that takes it away. Yeah. And so he loses, stripped of his power. Mm -hmm. He has to win the fight on his own techniques and, and abilities. And uh, seeing that, like, of course, when he first shows up, he's like, well, what's... You know, if the idea is you have to beat the Black Panther, good luck. Yeah, How right? often does that happen? <laughs> But then you see he loses powers like, oh, oh, this is real. Yeah. And this like, is a... Chadwick Boseman's a pretty sturdy dude, but he he's not as sturdy as the other guy. No. Not even close. So, you know, it's I'm sure he's faster and that's, you know, yeah. kind of where he's at. So then and again, like they're on the side of a cliff. They're in like a puddle of water that. Yeah, it's just like a little pond that they fight in that has a cliff. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like the top of a water. Ball, it's like a of. platform halfway up a waterfall kind of yeah and you're like 10 feet away from plummeting to your death at all times yeah which is terrifying you gotta really want to be the king oh yeah or queen i guess since i'm sure he made a point of saying i'm not gonna fight you for it right <laughs> so they fight and i think the two times that we see a fight for king kingship in this movie are my favorite action choreographed sequences like the big 
battle toward the end with like all the rhinos and stuff is fun, but it's a little CGI heavy, mm-hmm. which sucks, hurts it a little bit. But these, like, the C- they're CGI, obviously, like they weren't actually filming on a cliffside or whatever. <laughs> but the fact it's just like mono y mono, and like the choreography of it is raw and and physical and intense, and you kind of feel it a lot more. Yeah. And yeah. So Mbaku, big guy, strong guy. I think he gets a hit or two in. Yeah. But he's really not a not a match for T'Challa from a technical stance standpoint. No, like you said, he's much faster, more agile. Yeah. He gets the better of him. I think he ends up getting him in like a leg lock of some sort and then forcing him to tap out. After turns into an MMA fight partway through, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gets him gets him to tap out about you know a minute or two, two minutes into the fight. It's not a super long fight, no. And it it goes a long way to showing you know he doesn't need the power of the Black Panther to be a formidable foe. Yeah, which is will come back up later. Yes. So he's he's king officially Ta-da. done. King, king for a day. Mm-hmm. Almost literally. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he now has a lot of kingly duties, um, which we don't get too deep into in this movie. The biggest issue is Wakanda's relationship with the rest of the world. Yeah, as I had mentioned earlier, they're very technologically advanced, mm-hmm. uh, and there's a lot of question of whether they keep that kind of keep it in house, like. The rest of the world, I don't re- doesn't realize it. They sort of mask that part of their community, so that uh, basically other people aren't nosy. Yeah, don't start buttoning their business. They can kind of do their thing, live their life. Everybody's happy. Everybody's good there. They don't have to worry about what else is going on. Pretty chill about it. Mm-hmm. But there's also the question of their responsibility right. with this technology and these powers and the other things that they have whether or not they have any sort of responsibility to the rest of the world to because what they have could be pretty helpful yeah they want to share yeah so that's kind of the main question that sort of spawns the rest of what's going on in the movie yeah and i think at this point t'challa definitely recognizes the role wakanda plays in the rest of the world but he's not sure and i think a lot of the and a lot of this is to do with you know the way his father um approach this issue he doesn't know how to make that first step plus Um, also you figure they go to the un to do whatever and and they get blown up yeah not not great yeah which isn't really gonna spurn you to be more open to working with the rest of the world not quite it's like i'm just gonna go home yeah pretty much you know it's it's easy, I would I would expect, you know, if you live in that area, you're in kind of this weird utopia in the yeah. middle of Africa. Mm-hmm. And sure, you've got your own issues. You've got, you know, the Jabari tribe who aren't really part of the rest of the group and they have their own qualms. But in the grand scheme of things, Wakanda is way, way better off as a whole than pretty much any other country you go to. Yeah. And a lot and, of what they're... Technology is, is a lot of it's defensive. That's why they're kind of like, well, we're mm-hmm. stay here. If anybody tries to mess with us, we got it. We should be good. And 
So, like, I can understand not wanting to open the floodgates, as it were. Right. You cannot possibly predict the multitude of different things and, and eventualities that could come from sharing that technology, sharing what you know, sharing with everyone else. Yes. As we've seen in the history of the MCU, there's a lot of technologically greedy bad dudes. Who I'm yeah. sure would be more than happy to get their paws on the Wakandan I, resources. Yeah, it's the same it's the same thing as if like giving everybody a yellow jacket suit. Yeah. Yeah, it probably helps out a bunch of them, but there's always know. gonna be some some person who ruins it for everyone else. Yes. Yes. There's always that person. Always that person. So that's what he's struggling with. He's gotta handle that side of things. And part of that involves a, a little old guy named by the name of Andy Serkis, one of my favorite actors, uh, who plays in this movie, uh, Claw. We did see him briefly in Age of Ultron in a somewhat forgettable scene, I'll admit. Um, but I think I remembered at the time that his character was going to be coming back in Black Panther, and I was kind of looking forward to that. And so he gets a little more to do here. He has, um, uh, why can't I think of the word? Um, I thought of unobtainium, but that's from Avatar. Vibranium? Vibranium, yes. So he has some vibranium that he has stolen from Wakanda. <laughs> and he uh, is looking to sell it at this casino in Tokyo question mark and so he being T'Challa and Nakia and Okoye mm -hmm. who's also awesome she's yes. uh, the right hand of the king from the army perspective yeah she's the kind of the leader of the all female basically warrior <gasps> army yes. that uh, Wakanda has which is awesome because that's one of the she's one of the tribes too right she's uh Traditionalist from the Border Tribe, head of the Dora Milaje, the all-female special forces of T'Challa's bodyguards. Yes! That is, that is a sentence I love. Yeah. One thing that's great about Black Panther is, like, all of the badass lady main characters, or, like, main side characters, I guess, that are part of this movie. Mm -hmm. Shuri, her, uh, Lupita's yeah. character. Yep. All of them are very badasses, like, in their own right. Yes. Which I am a fan of. So, the three of them go up to Tokyo, I think. That's where they go. Where Claw is trying to sell Vibranium to the CIA. <laughs> or, in this case, Martin Freeman as no relation... Ross. <laughs> Not related to my favorite person, Thunderbolt Ross. <laughs> yes. No, Everett K. Ross. I didn't even know that was his last name, and now I kind of think less of him, if I'm being completely honest. <laughs> so, so there's, there's, there's some, some complications arising, but then there is another party who we have not really talked about. One of the first scenes of the movie, after I think we meet um, T'Challa, is Claw engages in a heist with our good buddy Eric Killmonger, Michael B. Jordan. 
Michael B. Jordan. Which, that opening scene where he's, like, in that art museum, and he asks, like, one of the art, the, the curators, I think, asks her about some of the stuff on display. And she's she goes into this long explanation of what it is and what it's, you know, where it came from and what, what year it's from. And he's like, no, no, actually, it's Wakandan. <laughs> and it's this, this, this. And it really does a for me seeing getting that moment as his first scene in the movie helps me out so much in believing that he really understands like he's done his homework on Wakanda mm-hmm. to the best of his abilities as someone who hasn't lived there. Yes. Like he understands what they are, what they have, what they're withholding and isn't just a power hungry person. Which goes so long, such a long way to making him a a really great antagonist. Yeah, he's not just like a generic like bad guy. He's yeah. like, I just want this so I can have it and just do all this stuff. Right. He has a much bigger attachment to what's going on, personal attachment. Mm-hmm. So they go through this. Uh, Claw bursts in as like a. Um, I can't. I just think it's hilarious. His name is Claw. <laughs> Every time you say it, I just want to make, like, a, well, I have been actually just making, like, a claw motion with my hand. Um, he's, like, pretends to be a paramedic, and they end up killing, like, seven or eight people, and uh, getting away with a bunch of, with a piece of vibranium. Ultimately, the thing he's going to sell. So, Claws shows up with the vibranium. Killmonger isn't in the vicinity at the moment that we can see, but he's not far. At that time. I don't think we really see him in that scene until later, after he's been captured. But, suffice to say, Black Panther and his two leading ladies are nearby. And Martin Freeman recognizes T'Challa, because he knows him from Civil War. Right. And he's like, what are you doing here? Things have just taken a turn. All of a sudden, this, what probably wasn't going to be an easy deal to begin with, (laughs) has just gotten more complicated. Right. Claw shows up with no decorum. No. Uh, He even tries to, like, give Martin Freeman his, like, mixtape or something in one one of his lines, (laughs) which is adorable. And before long, a fight breaks out. Shocking. What are the odds? Uh, Koye like throwing her wig and doing <laughs> awesome things. Nakia being a badass as well. T'Challa, there's like a really great long take in that scene within the casino that's awesome. Uh, and then it eventually it spills out onto the streets where T'Challa's like riding a car. Uh, Shuri is driving the car from Wakanda. Which is insane (laughs) to me, but technology. Um, They're chasing after Claw and the the Vibranium. I think Claw is my least favorite name right after Thunderbolt Ross. The more often you say it, the more I'm just like, fucking Claw. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, like, you know, great car chase with a lot of people outside of their cars, which was really fun. Uh, Goes a long way. Very exciting. And eventually they reach the end of the, the, the chase and Claw is captured. 
T'Challa almost kills him, but his restrains himself with some help at the end. Which leads us to an interrogation scene between Martin Freeman and Claw. 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 <laughs> uh, <laughs> that it's... We don't have a ton of scenes in this movie outside of Wakanda after this point, if any. But the scenes outside of Wakanda do a lot of do a lot of work to contextualize just how hidden Wakanda really is. Right. Cause Claw's like, oh man, this this amount of vibranium that I have, they have minds of the stuff or right. whatever. And Martin Freeman's like, who? Yeah. No, they don't. Like, they're a poor, like, fishing village. Yeah. <laughs> nice try, Claw. Claw. And so, you know, and, and it's it's always interesting when the villain antagonists of the movie are right, like, beyond a shadow of a doubt. We, as the audience, know he is absolutely 100% telling the truth. And yet they don't believe him. Right. And I think, you know, Claw gets it in this moment. Killmonger has his moments of that as well later in the film where, like, what he's saying is true. What he what he believes in is not necess- not absolutely a bad thing. What he wants to do is not absolutely a bad thing. But, and it, it just, you know, gives the villains, gives the antagonists of this movie more credence, more credibility, more weight to them. Which I think is another thing that this movie does really well. Is up until now, besides maybe like a Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. most of the villains are just one-off kind of villains. Yeah, they just want to do bad stuff because they're greedy or like power hungry or whatever. Or Tony Stark made fun of them at a party thirty years ago. Or... How dare he? <laughs> How dare he? That's a level of petty I aspire to. <laughs> I will hold this grudge for the rest of my life and I will rain terror down upon you in 30 years. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, Killmonger is a lot more... He's not not a great guy, but he's a lot more in the gray area of things than uh, just a bad or not bad person. Which I think makes it a lot more interesting. Mm -hmm. It's a lot... I don't know. It gets you more invested i think in the story and what's happening than just uh i want to see all the vibranium and make a bunch of stuff to blow things up or whatever ridiculousness you want to do right like they could have easily went that route somebody finds out that wakanda's hoarding all this vibranium and has all this stuff and they're like i'm gonna go steal it and i think that's the movie if claw's the villain right right like if it's just claw which it very well could have been you know you get that whole other you get you would have that whole white villain against a population, a country of black people kind of antagonist. And, you know, it sets it up from a thematic standpoint in that way, but it's not a very thematically rich conflict. No, it's not going to, I don't know. It's not something that you're going to get invested in. No. In any way besides, like, waiting for the good guy to win. Right. Like, I get it. Fight against the bad guy. It's always the right thing to do. But also, I can't relate to having your own country with vibranium and 
like I don't I don't have any context for that. Right. Right. Even if it was like my apartment has all the water in the apartment building, like you know, like how do how do I compare to what the right. what is happening? Right. Which I think is what makes it so interesting. You briefly mentioned it. The flashback scenes mm-hmm. in I think is it LA? I think so, yes. Yeah. Kind of that sets up the whole Wakandans have all of this stuff and whether or not they have an obligation to everybody else to mm-hmm. share that or not. Right. Kind of the background of Killmonger, why he's not real happy. Yeah, so Killmonger is son of Sterling K. Brown. Yes. Sterling K. Brown, surprise, surprise, is brother to T'Chaka, Black Panther's father. Yes. So, uh, so many, many years ago, when Sterling K. Brown was off in L.A. doing his thing, um, trying, ultimately, I think, I, uh, kind of on, I guess, like a survey spy mission for Wakanda, but on the down low, trying to give the people of L.A. that are not fortunate an opportunity in his mind um which involves weapons and bad stuff so you know not the best of all things his heart was in the right place but he didn't really go go about it in the best way and so his number two which is uh believe forrest whitaker's son i think uh is um you know a a double spy for T'Chaka, who ultimately shows up in L.A. and is forced, I guess not forced, but kind of feels obligated out of necessity for his country and the rules that they have in place to kill his brother. Kind of a sense of, you know, just no exceptions in that that regard, which sucks. Yeah, basically, I guess the that he's endangering somewhat of the whole country. Yes. Based on what he's doing. Whether he's his brother or not, can't really let it go. Yeah. And then we see like six or seven year old Killmonger out playing on the basketball court. <laughs> six or seven year old Killmonger. It just sounds funny. <laughs> um, Baby Killmonger. He he like sees a sky beam that is the uh, Wakandans leaving after killing his dad and he rushes up and finds his dad dead. Which is tragic. And it doesn't... One of the things I like is you see a lot of villains that do get a backstory. Not all of them do. But when they do, it's generally like, this X thing happened in the past, and it made me a villain. Mm -hmm. This didn't make him a villain. It gave him a direction in life, which is to find Wakanda and become part of it and to further his dad's goals of supplying the needy of the world with the tools to rise out of that position. Basically that the Wakandans had abandoned almost everybody else. Mm -hmm. Turned their backs on everybody that they could help kind of selfishly just to be like, you know, we don't want to, it sucks, but we don't want to be involved. Right. Like this isn't our problem. Mm Mm-hmm. And and even just saying it that way, there's nothing inherently bad about any of those goals. 
Yeah. There's zero bad about it from yeah. necessarily speaking. It's just the path that he took to get him there. Like he went into the army. He killed a lot of people. Um, you see the scars all over his body mm-hmm. that are, that are each one is the person he's killed. And, uh, you know, it put him as kind of intelligent and uh, intellectual as he is. He still has a very, com- he's like combat first uh, initiative kind of yes. thing. So, you He's know, very calculated, but he's also very, yeah, he's more. He's a, He's aggressive. He's a fighter. More yeah. so. Even though he's, like you said, he's very intelligent, he's very calculated. Yeah. But he's not afraid to, he's basically gonna be like, you know, I can fight my way mm-hmm. through this. I've trained myself to kind of fight. Right. I can do, you know, I'm smart and I'm tough and I can do all the things. Yes. So, so that's, that's what's kind of on the horizon. That's what's coming. That's the, and at this point, when we're at the claw interrogation scene, we haven't seen a lot of Killmonger. We're maybe like 40 minutes into the movie. And he's had one moment, really. But then... But also, I have to commend Mike. Michael B. Jordan, I think, is my favorite part of this movie. He's so good. He just commands your attention. Like, from the first time he walks on the screen. Yes. Like, the first time you see him in the art museum. Mm-hmm. He's just... He just takes it. He's right there. He's there. So even though you've only seen him a little bit up until now, he's very, I guess, he's still very, he's, he's I guess. He's very uh, tuned into the character. Yes. And he's also very, he's, for me at least, he grabbed my attention as soon as he was there. Yes. So just waiting for him to come back, kind of. I was, I was here for it. Yes. Here for the Michael B. Jordan. You know, because you, I think you have, to, you have Chadwick Boseman, who we already had a little exposure to in Civil War, he's back. Now he's the main character. And, like, he, he's so perfect as Black Panther. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can feel it from the moment we see him. Uh, when we get Lupita Nyong'o, when we get Daniel Guerrera, Denai Guerrera, uh, they are exactly who those characters need them to be. Yeah. The they, casting for all these people is yeah. perfect. And so... When you have so many, like, big, powerful personalities on the quote-unquote good side, you need to have somebody who can match that. Right, and I think that's one of the interesting dynamics between Chadwick Boseman, Michael B. Jordan is Chadwick Boseman, and this is very, still very reserved, mm-hmm. very calm, kind of very slow burn. Yeah. Like, whereas Michael B. Jordan is a lot he's a lot more intense oh yeah like he's i wouldn't say he's necessarily any more like over the top like Mm-mm. he is a bit he gets a lot he gets more animated and kind of fired up than yes chadwick boseman does but he's just very much more like super intense super s- strong like strict forward just very very sharp with everything that he does every time he talks every time he moves is very specific like purposeful yes he is a lot in a good way yeah not like hella hella was a lot (laughs) in a lot of way 
in a lot of way. Yeah. Michael B. Jordan's a lot, but very. And, and even compared to, say, Claw, who I don't think is a bad character, but he he's just very marginalized by how big Killmonger is. Right. And I would even say Andy Serkis is perhaps intentionally going a little over the top. Yeah, to he's a bit contrast. more like kind of overboard, not overboard generic villain, but he's a lot more like, I don't know. He reminds me more of like a Bond villain. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like something kind of like yeah. that. His name is kind of like a Bond villain. Claw. claw. Yeah. yeah. His claw stroking the white cat as he <laughs> spins around in his chair. Um, yeah. So I think having, because I think if he's a little more dialed back similarly to Michael B. Jordan, it loses some of its luster around Killmonger. But by having him them be that different, it gives them a lot of gives him a lot more agency when he does kind of take the center stage of the movie. Even the names, like Black Panther, seems very like stealthy and quiet mm-hmm. and chill. Yeah. Very Panthers are pretty stealthy. Jungle awesome, like powerful cats, but they're very subdued i would say where's killmonger like that's a name (laughs) yes i think yeah like i don't know everything about both of their characters i feel like is just so spot on yep the way they both handled it which is so good yes i agree probably two of for me two of the best characters like in the whole thing Mm -hmm. that's why we need another one now like it's been because when did the when did this one come out? Twenty eighteen. Mm, two years ago. Two years just ago. And the next right one's now. not until twenty twenty two. I can look sort of. Currently scheduled for May of twenty twenty two, over two years from now. That doesn't work for me. Though. No, not really. No. Meanwhile, the next Spider Man movie is next year. <sighs> Which I don't. Know, I mean, you still like the Spider Man movies, but they're not Black Panther. There's been like three. This will be the third. Yeah, there's been like two in between. Yeah. It's like they're trying to make me angry. So... This is my my villain origin story. (laughs) Oh no. This is where I will simmer with bitterness and rain it down upon the MCU. MCU MCU review part five. Mark it now. Meg has become the villain of the podcast. (laughs) It's true. So... They're doing this interrogation. Killmonger shows up, frees Claw, saves him from the clutches of Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman gets shot. The clutches of Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman's like the least scary person (laughs) in any of these movies. Uh, There's a really good element to that scene before Killmonger shows up where Martin Freeman's in there talking to Claw and we get a a moment between uh, T'Challa and I think i don't know if it was okoye or nakia at this moment i think it's okoye but they're basically discussing you know what claw knows what they're worried is going to get out how much they can reveal how do they get him back to wakanda you know at all when he's already tangled up in the cia and it i think this is just another point where it forces Black Panther to like consider like well <laughs> if we weren't like a secluded nation this would be a lot easier right like we'd have 
relate a relationship with the United States. We'd have, uh, you know, a give and take. A, 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 uh, we'd have, you know, the ability to say, hey, can you do this for me? And they don't have that ability right now in the world. Right. When you try to do everything behind the scenes, you don't have any credibility, you know, in the spotlight. Right. Which is, yeah. Like, we need you to do all this stuff. Like, what what are we going to help you for? Like, what are you going to do for us? When when have you ever helped us? Yeah. We don't need more fish. Last time we saw you, you were causing trouble in Sokovia. Or wherever that Civil War took place. Still. So, Killmonger shows up, saves Claw. Yada, yada, yada. Um, They're going to take Martin Freeman back to Wakanda. And... Everything's fine. Yeah, like... (laughs) Uh, uh, Koye or or Nakia, whichever one's there, unless it's both, uh, they're like, no, we should not do that. <laughs> and <laughs> can't just go kidnapping CIA people, right? Uh, and but on the other side, it's like, well, he's not gonna. He, you guys can't fix him, given where he was shot. We can. Which again, he's saying that to like these other CIA members who are n- nameless, and they're like, uh, <laughs> what? that does not compute (laughs) you are a backwater nation third world nation you eat rice all day or whatever wheat corn something um they're like no no no, we got it we got it don't worry we got this and they kind of i don't remember precisely but i feel like they just kind of like ignore them and just like take him and kind of like well if we do this quick enough it's like in football like well if we snap the ball quick enough they can't challenge the last play (laughs) sort of a thing (laughs) And they're just like, let's just go, just go, just go, 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 go. And they, they hustle him back to Wakanda so that Shuri can fix him. Shuri. Uh, and meanwhile, Killmonger's like, I saved your life. And boom, I killed you. Kills Claw. Good. Okay. Does a lot. Gets rid of Claw. Now there's no confusion of who's the bad guy. Uh, we don't... It's really the only time before he gets to Wakanda that we see Killmonger's resolve. We've heard about it already, but this is the first time we really see him enact it. Should have stopped off at Thunderbolt Ross's office on the way to Wakanda. And he... All the Wakandans have, like, a barcode under their lip sort of thing. And... Claw didn't realize that he, you know, is a Wakandan and he like shows it to him when he's dying and he's like, you. (laughs) And so he grabs Claw and uh, ends up going to Wakanda with him dead to kind of like, I have done the thing, basically. I have protected everyone. Yes. Yes. And so in the meantime... T'Challa, Black Panther, they're fixing up Martin Freeman. and There's, you know, so we have Din- Daniel Kaluuya's character, who is T'Challa's best friend, is... Also a partner to... Partner to... Uh, Okoye. Okoye. Has a particular interest in Claw, because, if I'm not mistaken, he's... His... Claw killed his dad? something to that effect he's he's singularly connected to that 
to Claw's demise. Like, demise. <laughs> uh, to, to, to enacting revenge on him. To, to figuring out his... Uh, he, he wants justice. More so than anyone else. And the fact that T'Challa shows up didn't doesn't have claw with him in fact has a different white guy who is no help to him at all when he had promised he would bring claw back kind of really damages their relationship their friendship yeah he was very happy about it he's very disappointed he's like well this other guy did the thing i asked i asked you to do yeah you didn't do it yep and so you know he's obviously emotional but you can kind of see why he would support Killmonger in that moment. And he, you know, the border tribe are kind of the first line of defense in Wakanda. And he's like, step aside, let him in. He has done us a great service. He has killed the white devil, you know, kind of thing. And that brings us to another great moment in this movie for me, the throne scene. I love it. We get Killmonger entering the throne room. The camera does that like 180 spin upside down to right side up. And he didn't really look that out of place in any of the other scenes we'd seen him in. But we see him in Wakanda dressed in his like sort of army clothes, but not exactly and everybody else has on like the traditional Wakandan garb and he really sticks out. Yeah. And it's He looks very much more regular modern world. Yeah. than everybody else does. And everybody's freaking out like who the hell is this guy? And Angela Bassett, who is T'Challa's mom, he's like I'm so and so's son and she's like What? What? No, this is all like this is not true. He's not Wakandan. And Shaw's like, no, he he already knows the truth. Mm-hmm. He's like, yep, no, it's. I mean, he's got the thing, and so he's like, well, what do you want? And Kamanga delivers that great line, "I want the throne," and you know, there's this. Like you said, Michael B. Jordan is so perfect, so embodies this character so well that that line of dialogue is kind of cheesy. But when he says it, it's legit. I feel it. Yeah. You know, it's not just, you know, I've, I've, you know, you see a lot of movies. There are a lot of characters in movies that'll say things to that effect. Like, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to, I'm going to win. I'm going to whatever. And it is very rare that they that somebody says that, mm-hmm. and the you... delivery of it is very rarely good. <sighs> yeah. But he's just so like matter of fact about it. Like, well, I want this, and I'm gonna get it. Yeah, yeah. Step aside, cousin. <laughs> so they kind of do this impromptu uh, fight for king of wakanda yeah because is the rule like that michael b jordan can't turn anybody or not michael b jordan um chadwick boseman i think is he so allowed like he can't just say no i'm not gonna fight you 
if somebody else is like, I will fight you for the throne, I think I he think, has to. I don't know if he, if it's complete carte blanche for anybody to challenge him, but I think because of his Killmonger specific, um, since he's related, yeah, really. since he actually has a claim to the throne, mm-hmm. he has a, a slightly, you know, more credible claim. He can he can actually do it. Something yeah. in the bylaws of, of Wakanda <laughs> the give, bylaws. gives him the ability to do so. Yeah. And it doesn't help that um what's his name that's in charge of the army? Koye. Koye's partner. Partner. Dan uh Daniel Kaluya. Yeah. It doesn't help that his character basically at this point is just salty. He kind of like stakes him, yeah. basically. He's like, no, he's like, you should get a turn. Yeah. He did the thing. Yep. Uh, so they got to do it. Yeah. He so T'Challa loses his build, powers again. There's not a huge fan fan base audience now. It's just like seven or eight people. Yeah, it's basically it's the one person from each group, and you know the main characters that we've seen already. Yeah, <laughs> and you know Killmonger, he takes off like. He, like, strips down to, like, his pants, which is what he's going to fight in. And he's got, like, the all the scars on his body. Yeah. You know, he looks... Compared to the rest of these, like, he's got just jeans on. And, like, they're wet, so, like, it looks bad. And he, he looks so wrong in that scene compared to everybody else to me. You know, he doesn't... He's not dressed like they are. He doesn't fit in and you know he just he showed up that morning you know (laughs) and i think there's a world where this movie is made and he doesn't win this fight because it doesn't make sense for him to win this fight for a lot of different reasons but on the other side of it they do like it's a very physical fight it's much more demanding of of t'challa than it was against uh, Mbaku, for all the size and strength Mbaku had. To me, Michael B. Jordan was much more intimidating. He was. Mbaku. He was. You know. Yeah. Which, and I think the reason for that is, you know, Killmonger feels like he deserves yeah. this victory. He, it's a very personal vendetta. Yeah. Whereas Mbaku's like, he wants it, but it's not something he's like risking his life for. I don't doubt for a second. That if he were in the same, that if Killmonger were in the position that Mbaku was, he would never tap out. There's a zero percent chance he would. He's ever. either getting thrown off the cliff or his leg broken or something. Yeah, either he's he, dead or he wins. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, you you feel that exuding out of him, yeah. and he just. I mean, it's still a good fight. It's not like he just wins, owns it from the beginning, right? But there's a point where he really starts to like injure T'Challa and this, it just, it's something he just can't come back from. Right. And he gets thrown off the waterfall. Yep. It's, um, it's not great. Horrifying. <laughs> yeah. I like watching it for the first time. I was like, what? Like how does no, no. And I'm like, on the, and in the back of my head, I'm like, does this become like, a Shuri movie now? Is Okoye the new main character? Is it Nakia? Like, are one of them going to step up and take over as the new main character? 
Or is Killmonger the main character? Is this secretly like an origin story for the bad guy? Like what is happening? <laughs> and he is the Black Panther now. Maybe. I mean, technically, yeah. He's yeah. given the abilities of the Black Panther. He gets to go like do the like dream thing with his dad. Uh he then orders all the flowers that give this power burned. Um Nakia saves one of them. Yeah. But Everything else is gone. He, you know, he's a, you know, burn it to the ground, salt, salt the earth kind of a guy. And uh, he makes his presence known very quickly. And I, you know, you have uh, Daniel Kaluuya, who, as far as I can tell, has no buyer's remorse. No, he's and, like, this is fine. Yeah, this is cool. Yeah. And then you have. Just be like, well, that's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, well. Um, you have a Koye who I, you know, is not happy. No. But she's also the captain of, like, the army. Yeah. And she follows the orders of the king. Yeah. And now that's Killmonger. She's not very excited about it. But she's faithful. Yeah. She obeys the rank. Yes. Whereas Nakia, as a spy, she ain't about that. She grabs Shuri and Angela Bassett and Martin Freeman and hightails it out of there. Um, and gets... Because their plan is to give the last flower to M'Baku. Yes. And then have him go take back the kingship from yeah. Killmonger. Yeah. Basically, like, well, this guy's awful. He's not so bad. Yeah. A little cranky. We could work with that, probably. And so, th I would love to see the movie where that's what happens. Umbaku just comes strolling in. <laughs> yes, I would love it so much. King Umbaku. <laughs> just him and his sassiness. Just, ah, be so great. He would be so annoyed about everything. I know. He would not be about that life. I would love it, though. Yeah. He's much better suited to sit up on his it's mountain true. and just be like, mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. So they show up, they give him the idea, they're like, this is what we want to do. And he just kind of like looks at them. And then he laughs at them. And he makes, he has lots of great jokes and one-liners and stuff that I can't remember verbatim. But he, he, eventually he's like, look, I got your king. He's fine. Yes. Well, well he's, he's not, not fine. He's not fine, but he's there. <laughs> he's, he's not dead. Yes, yeah, Umbaku's people, I think, had found him. Yes, fishing somewhere. or something. Yeah, and brought water. him back. He's yeah. in a coma, basically. Yeah. He's not in great shape. Mm -hmm. But they give him the flower, the nectar of the flower, and uh, he finds his way back to life. I think he talks again. He gets to confront his dad and the other ancestors again. And it's a very strike, stark contrast to the first time he meets them. When we see in the earlier part of the movie, where he kind of, he reveres them, he respects them, he just wants to, you know, uh, fill his dad's shoes. And now, he he's very scornful, he's very judgmental of what they did and the mistakes they made, and he does not want to follow in their path that way anymore. And so, you know, as interesting as it is, he's been influenced a lot by Killmonger's ideas and his goals and now has 
hopefully, in his eyes, a better plan for what Killmonger wants to do right. in a safer and more respectful way. Yes, completely turning your back on everyone. Not great. Does not approve of that so much anymore. No. Though also, yeah, Killmonger, he needs to settle down a little bit. Yeah, because his thing is, we're going to give all these weapons, these high-powered, you know, light years technologically ahead of everyone else's weapons, um, to everyone that is poor and uh, looked down upon and in a bad spot in life, and uh, they can rise up and kill all the rich people. Yeah. I mean, there's merit there. Yeah, I'm not strongly (laughs) opposed to it. (laughs) But... Uh, there's better ways to do it. Yeah. There's many, many better ways to go about that. Right. So, uh, as he's starting to enact that, uh, T'Challa and his group break back in to the castle, and Shuri, you know, takes over the lab, gives power of like this ship to Martin Freeman, who can go after the ones that are trying to leave. Um, T'Challa and Shuri and Okoye and her group all turn against Killmonger, try to kill him, try to like face down, beat him down. Um, meanwhile, the border team and their rhinos, which probably some of the worst CGI in the movie. <laughs> uh, it's not great. Um, you know, they're fighting for Killmonger. Yes, there's a really great scene between the two of them out on the battlefield. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Between yeah. Daniel Koye's character and Denai Guerrero's character, yeah, Okoye, yeah, <laughs> basically like, well, now what? Because he, I think, charges at her on his rhino. Yes, basically charges up to her, like he's and, gonna, and but stops short. Well, because the rhino recognizes her yeah. and she stops it. Yeah, and she's like, nice try. No, no, and it's. You know, she's finally standing up for what she knows is right. Right. Because they've discussed it. There's a scene of them discussing, like, what to do Mm -hmm. before this. And she's very like, I don't like this. Like, this is not okay. And he's like, no. He's like, T'Challa didn't want to do anything. He was weak. Mm -hmm. He, you know, he was crappy. Like, you know, (laughs) he didn't. He should have been doing all of these things and he did not do them. Right. Meanwhile, Killmonger is here. He's going to do what needs to be done. So, you know. Sucks for sucks for T'Challa, but sucks to suck. Yeah, but uh, whatever. Right. You know? And he's like, and you serve the king, so he's the king now. And he's not wrong. She yeah. serves the king, yeah. and so she is, in effect, committing treason by what she does. Yeah. But you know, the two of their relationship, you don't see a lot of it, but you can tell they're both very attached to each other and committed yes. to each other, despite their very opposite views on what's going on right now. Yes. You know she. I think ends up with like her spear pointed at him and he ultimately I think he I I don't know his weapon I don't think it's pointed at her but he still has it up and eventually he drops it yeah I think doesn't he kneel down yeah he like drops to his knees that was a great scene it's very intense because you don't generally don't know what's gonna happen yeah she's just gonna you can tell she does not want to no. But she's basically like, if she you come will. for me, I will come for you. Yeah. So pick pick if you want me, or pick if you want Killmonger, basically. Yes. It comes down to it, and he relents. Yes. He sets, Very good scene. sets down his weapon. And as follows, so do the rest of them. Um, also worth noting, 
M'Baku and the, the mountain people also join in on the fight. Yes. This was the scene where you're like, just wait till later. And though also when they ended up... Every, everything he says when they're up in the mountains is gold. Yes. It is absolute yeah. wonderful. Yeah. But uh, the part I really liked was when he... Basically, he was like, all right, you have T'Challa's here. Bring him back to life with the flower. But we don't want any part of this. Yeah. Like, do your whatever you want to do. Take him and just go. Yeah. We're not helping. We're going to stay up here. No. But then eventually he comes riding in. And I was like, yes. That was the part for me. Yeah. It's like, I do like him now. You were right. <laughs> He's my favorite character. Close. Almost. Almost. There are too many favorite There's characters. There's so many in this good characters. In I, I, yeah, I like everybody in this movie, really. Uh, so we get Okoye and her group fighting T'Challa before, or fighting Killmonger before this, using their like cool spears. They like cross their spears in like a triangle around him, um, but he breaks out of it. Uh, he eventually, you know, defeats them, throws Okoye out into the battlefield where she eventually, you know, engages with uh, Daniel Kaluuya. Shuri shows up with her little wrist gun punchy things mm-hmm. and like attacks him, uh, but he can overcome that fairly easily. Yeah. Shuri's. She's not a fighter. No, she's very technologically <laughs> savvy. She's basically like in charge of the technology, really. Yeah. But she's very small. Like, she's not particularly physically foreboding. No. Like, whereas Okoye's people, like, all of them are, like... Amazons. Uh, like, they have, like, kind of, like, neck rings. They're all very tall, very regal, very powerful-looking, like, bald-headed. Like, yes. they are badasses. Right. Like, you see them and you're like, yeah. <laughs> like, those are those are some tough... I'm not gonna mess with them. No. Shiri... Shiri's also very, like, kind of the bit of the more comedic a little bit in the movie. she's very sassy what are those yeah super sassy like super <laughs> animated like she's kind of personality wise like the opposite of t'challa yes she has like all of the energy mm-hmm. like all of the like she's excited about everything she's very exuberant she's yeah. great she's but great i would not be scared of her in a fight no. other than her magic weapons that she can come up with but yeah um, so she's got dispatched fairly easily, and before Killmonger can finish her, T'Challa appears, and uh, they both go tumbling down into the chasm, where we get some more bad CGI, unfortunately. But they end up fighting on this like train track yes. that is carrying the vibranium. And part of its nature is that when the train goes by, the, like, the track, these, like, pillars that stick out of the track kind of, they have to emit a thing to to stabilize the vibranium as it's moved. Mm -hmm. And wouldn't you know it, the suits that Killmonger and Black Panther are wearing are made of vibranium. Yes, which up until now we have not mentioned the suits. Not really. The Black Panther suit is... I fucking love that suit. The purple lines throughout the dark black, pitch black. Yeah, the, like, claw-like nails. Yeah, the the nails. Like, that's a badass suit. It's great. I love that suit. Kind of like it almost comes on, almost like, not like scales. Yeah, he touches touches the necklace, and it envelops him. Yeah. Um, It absorbs physical attacks. Mm Mm-hmm. And when it does that, it shimmers purple 
yeah. where the tack hit him. It almost reminds me of like really like amazing chainmail. Yeah, sort of what it kind of reminds me of. Form fitting uh, chainmail. Yeah, yeah. Like of all the character like suits, like Black Panthers is like above and beyond for me. Like everybody else's. And Killmonger's wearing an identical suit. Yeah, I think this is a little bit tweaked. His is orange instead of purple inlay. The same idea, basically. Yeah, They both have the power of the Black Panther. Mm -hmm. So, just like they were on the cliffside, they are evenly matched. Neither has an actual advantage over the other. And, um... So, you would kind of expect that it would go the same route. You know, I wouldn't Maybe. be... I mean, the biggest advantage that I think Black Panther had in that moment is he'd he'd worn the suit longer. Mm-hmm. He was met more comfortable with the abilities mm-hmm. as well. He was more accustomed to having the super speed, having the super strength. Um, and the terrain. Right. So the vibranium train track plays a very pivotal role in this fight because as long as they both have the suits on they're impenetrable and physical blunt attacks yeah you can't really not do much. great it's not gonna work but every time the train goes by so the suits disappear. Disin- disintegrate for a brief moment mm-hmm. and which well the cgi of it wasn't great no. the idea of that of the suits kind of going on and off and on and off was really i like that a lot yeah i think the first time it happens they like get separated on either side of the train and they like shout some words back and forth at each other. And then they come back and they're fighting again. And the second time T'Challa's like, I got this. (laughs) And he's able to stab Killmonger in the stomach just before his suit reassembles itself back together. Yeah, I think it reassembles around the knife or whatever he stabs him with. Yeah. Which was cool. Yeah, really neat. And that was like, that's the blow. That's the deciding thing in this fight that puts Killmonger down. Because I also think before that point, I don't know if T'Challa's really afraid of anybody else. Like, I don't think he legitimately thought anybody else could beat him. No. Like, even... um, M'Baku? Yeah, even M'Baku, who's like twice his size. (laughs) Yeah. He's a big dude. Even him, I think he's just like, Okay. I'm not, I got this. I'm not worried about it. He's he's not like think, an uh, egotistical person, no. but he's very self-confident. Yeah. You know, he knows his abilities and yeah. especially after everything he experienced in Civil War, like he went toe to toe with all these other guys who yeah. are superheroes. He barely broke a sweat. Yeah. He's capable. Yeah. I think uh I almost think that's part of the first fight was that Killmonger very much took took him by surprise. Like I think he was very like, "Oh." Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't think he was expecting that kind of a fight. Mm-mm. Whereas because this time he was much better prepared, I think. Realized, like, alright, this is gonna be knock down, drag out, throw down. Yeah, because Killmonger, on the one hand, he has all of the passion in the, you know, just the drive. Like, I need to win this fight the first time they do battle on the cliff. But on top of that, he also has all the know-how. He's been trained in, you know, who knows how many forms of combat in his in his life. Right. And 
you know, he's lived to tell the tale against who knows how many people he's beaten to a bloody pulp in his life. Yeah, like when he first takes his shirt off, you see all the tally marks. Because that's basically what they are. It's just yeah. tally marks. Which is nuts. Insane. I thought that was... That very was imposing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a very nice detail. Because, yeah. Yeah, it was very... It was a lot. Take his shirt off and you're like, oh. okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So when they meet again, T'Challa's ready. Yeah. And uh, he does what needs to be done. Killmonger's not dead yet. Nope. Uh, they end up going to this... They kind of go out of the mine. There's like almost like a little cave entrance. Why Isn't it... It's almost like the uh, mouth of the panther in, carved into the stone. Yeah. I think. maybe and they look out at the sunset which is something that Killmonger's mentioned in the past in the movie earlier in the movie about wanting to have seen in Wakanda and so on I think his dad had mentioned how beautiful beautiful the place was specifically the sunsets yeah and it is yeah it's gorgeous and you again feel T'Challa's kind of humanity come through where he's like we can save you right like come you know let me you know, if, if you'll, you know, talk to me and we can talk about this, like we can save you. We can figure this out. We can find a way that, you know, this, you know, you don't have to die. And I give so much credit to um, Ryan Coogler, who directed and wrote the movie, co-wrote the movie for letting Killmonger die, mm-hmm. but doing it in a way where you know he he recognizes as killmonger you're not you you don't want me to live just to like give me to make me like your vice president or anything like that right like it's the same you know it's he he equates it to coming to america aboard a slave ship like that's all you're keeping me alive for just to feel better about yourself just so you know there's there's no easy way out of this I'm not going to let you keep me alive. Yeah. It's not like, you know, the conflict between them is not resolved by T'Challa winning this fight. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like, it's like, okay, I beat you. Again, like, uh, against Winston Duke's character. It's not like, okay, you go do your thing now. I won the fight. I'm the king. Mm-hmm. You know, we kind of go our separate ways. Like, there's no way to do that with the two of them no not after all the things he's done yeah so i found the exact quote because i think it's so good because t'challa says we can still heal you mm-hmm. and killmonger responds why so you can lock me up nah just bury me in the ocean with my ancestors who jumped from ships because they knew death was better than bondage it's so good so good it's so good the writing in this you know, some of the cheesy lines aside, there's some really good, good stuff in here. Yeah. And it really hammers home. It, 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 you know, there's so many lines like this where it really just expands it so much, so far beyond what is happening in Black Panther. It's not just a Wakanda versus the world scenario. It compares, it compares things to slavery it compares things to poverty in any part of the world outside of the marvel cinematic universe the haves and the have-nots 
status, class, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's making so many conversations, having so many conversations about this. Even the fact of, you know, Killmonger's awful and we don't necessarily want M'Baku to be king, but he's way better than Killmonger is, you know, an easy, uh, you know, analogy to voting for anybody except Trump for a lot of people, not everyone, but a lot of people. And so hide and not even hiding, but, but, um, finding a way to weave all these different messages and themes within this movie without ever once really breaking from what's actually taking place is really effective. Yeah. It's, I think a testament to how well the film was written, how everything went together, how grounded it is in the real world issues and other things that are going on, like people's responsibility, if they are privileged, if they have resources, what their responsibilities are to other people who don't have that. Mm -hmm. Um, And things like that, while still being like a comic book movie Mm -hmm. and not making it seem like heavy-handed or overpowering like just the weaving of all of that in to the narrative that's kind of already there yeah was was very well done powerful yeah um killmonger dies which that scene was also so gorgeous Mm -hmm. the two of them kind of up on the sitting up on the cliff as watching the sunset well, Killmonger slowly passed away. And I think uh, this is another point where I feel, you know, we don't really, it's never stated, but it can't be overlooked how big of an impact this moment has on T'Challa. You know, everything he does after this is informed by what Killmonger's believed, what he knows. And, you know, Killmonger, uh, for all the bad that he did, mm-hmm. he has a very intimate understanding of outside of wakanda that t'challa's never had i think he understands that it's not like oh i got rid of this bad guy yeah it was this awful person big threat like there's a weight to it of you know i did what i had to do here but how was he really that wrong Mm -hmm. what he was trying to do yeah it's not black and white no it's it's many many shades of gray and so after he takes his spot back on the throne. And in the mid credit scene, he calls a press conference, basically, uh, at the United Nations uh, to reveal the truth of Wakanda. And to introduce actual Wakanda to the world a little bit. Yeah. And to begin to engage with everyone else and, and help where they can. And actually, can. I think we find out... Do we find out where Lupita goes? Because isn't there another scene in L.A.? Yeah. We uh, uh, talked at the beginning like, I hope hopefully she goes back to work. I know that Shuri <laughs> yes. ends up in L.A. And is that where Lupita uh, goes? Yeah, they show up at the same building where Killmonger's dad was killed. Mm-hmm. And they bought a couple of them in that area to be outreach programs from Wakanda. And it's going to be run by Nakia and Shuri. Right. Which is great. Kind of a 
different way to go about carrying on what Killmonger wanted to do. Yes. In a more constructive, hopefully, yes. way than just giving everybody a bunch of Wakandan weapons mm-hmm. and saying, have at it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so that's where it ends up. Yeah. Anything else you want to mention? We didn't talk too much about Shuri. Uh, Shuri's fucking awesome. She's great. I love I, Shuri. I love her so much. This movie, I think, could have been like really, really, really like heavy. There's not as much like it's not like an Ant Man movie where it's pretty lighthearted and quippy. Mm-hmm. Um, even some of the stuff in like the Thor movies, like especially Ragnarok, right before this, had was a lot more. Comedic. comedic and lighthearted and kind of silly like if i think if there wasn't a shuri this would have been a very serious even the iron man's you have tony quipping about all things. the time yeah captain america can be pretty dead he's still he's still deadpan but he can be pretty snarky <laughs> like they're the only really like i guess any sort of lighthearted part of the movie i feel like was mostly shuri her enthusiasm because you true. figure she's like I don't know how old she's supposed to be 16 is she really supposed to be 16 she's supposed to be yeah <laughs> i was gonna say i had, for some reason i thought she was 18 and then i was like well that then i was thinking about it and like that doesn't seem very old because she's basically basically in charge i feel like of all the technology of wakanda she's like this scientific mastermind down in the labs doing all this stuff but she still acts like, I was going to say, like an 18-year-old, 16-year-old girl. Like, gets super excited about things. Like, yes. pretty, you know, pretty snarky to her older brother. Like, she's one of the only people who doesn't regard, like, T'Challa, like, very, very regal, very reserved. Like, he's the king. She's like, you're my dumb older brother. Like, whatever. <laughs> yes. So, she's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Martin Freeman? Anything else I, li- to- I liked him. I thought he was, I liked when he got there and he was just like, what is happening here? Yeah, he, he's a little, he's very fish out of water. Yeah. Um, he gets, uh, it's, there's this sneaking sense of foreboding in the back of your mind. I feel like because he's a member of the CIA and if we don't get the ending that we get where they are sharing what they have with the world. You know, can you rely on him not to give out all that information? Yeah. I feel like his character, like, I was never uh, very threatened or concerned about Martin Freeman. No. He seemed just very like, oh my god, this place is crazy. It's insane. Uh, Angela Bassett as their mom. She didn't do, like, a Mm, lot, but she was good. She was fine. Forrest Whitaker, killed. Yeah, I forgot movie. he got he didn't he get killed by Killmonger? Uh yes. During one of the throne during the throne battle, I think, where T'Challa gets thrown off the cliff, doesn't he? Or is he, it afterwards? He steps in in the middle of the fight to oh. prevent uh Killmonger from killing T'Challa at one point right. and is uh killed for it. Yeah. So that. <sighs> um but yeah. The uh, was it Dora? Was it Dora Milaje? Dora Milaje? Who? The all female warriors. That's their name. Oh, uh, yes, yes, Dora Milaje. 
I, they're just like, I freaking love them. They're awesome. Just seeing all of them, I'm like, <gasps> they're so good. So good. Yes. Now I can move on. Yeah. Uh, like I said, there's not really any part of this movie where I'm like, mm, no. Like, I make fun of Claw. Yeah. Because of, like, his name, but he but was fine. He's fine. You know, he's, he's got, he's got a little energy to him as well. Yeah. That's nice. Mbaku, you know, has his, yeah. his wit. <laughs> yeah. Which is wonderful. Uh, it's kind of like deadpan snarky, like, whatever. Yeah. Get out of my mountain. Get out of my mountain. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's a good, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. It's all good stuff. We, yeah, I think if that's all for that. Next, um, next episode, I have been waiting to get to this whole time. Yeah. It's going to be big. It's going to be big. Like, so we did a, an hour and a half or so on Thor. Mm -hmm. We just did another hour and a half or so on Black Panther. Mm -hmm. So this is a three hour episode. Yep. Uh, but the next one is probably, uh, not probably, will only be Infinity War. Right. Which we have, we're going to have a lot to say. Yeah. Because the movie does a lot. And this is also the last one that was part of our compilation before I started seeing them in the theater as they true. came out. Very true. So this was kind of like the climactic buildup of everything that we had been watching before we got to Captain Marvel. Right. Uh, which will be interesting because the movie after this one, you had our, you also saw before Captain Marvel, but because it takes place on the timeline before Infinity War... Um, that's just how it works. Yeah. But, yeah, Infinity War is going to be a big one. Yes. So, that'll be next week. We will, we have an idea, we have a plan to be recording it a little earlier, relatively speaking, than this time. Yeah, so and this, this week we had a bunch of things leading up. And, yeah. Like, every night we had something going on, right. basically. But... Next week, we might have one night of reprieve. Yes, there's, a, <laughs> I think, a, f a couple nights that are an option that will hopefully get us to record this before Sunday for our early early listeners, yeah. your patrons. Monday. Yeah. Before Monday. Yeah, what did I say? You said before Sunday. Well, that's because right now, today is Sunday. I'm oh, saying. I see So it would mean. be out earlier. And, uh, optimally, give us time to record a second episode next weekend. Yes, ideally. Yes. Or at least start Give it. us a little more lenience in yeah. case do things do happen to be quite yeah. busy. Yeah. So. Cool. All right. Uh, uh, that's done. Done. Do you want to do our Daytona 500 predictions? It was supposed oh to be gosh. tonight. <laughs> Oh, we, we never got back to our Super Bowl. I was just gonna say predictions. Um, we should have I, listened because I don't remember have. what I said the score was. I, I thought about doing it. that. Beforehand. I posted it in the channel on Discord. Oh, did you? I don't know if you can. I don't know if that channel even exists anymore. To be honest, they might have yeah. hidden it, deleted it, or something. Was it the Super Bowl channel? Yeah, it was the Super Bowl it. channel. Oh, yeah. So it, I don't know. I think it's is. gone by now. But um, we both predicted Kansas City was going to win, which they did. They did. Uh, we both over predicted the score a little bit. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like an offensive like blowout shenanigans. Yeah, I was a little more... You were a little more conservative than I was about it. But I was still a little over. 
Yeah. Yeah. But we did fairly well. Yeah. I wouldn't hate having that prediction ahead of time. So, and so a little background. I am a huge NASCAR fan. Mm -hmm. Like, so today was supposed to be the Daytona 500, which is the biggest race of the year. It's basically my Super Bowl was supposed to be today. So Which, if I can interject, yes. is ridiculous that that's the first race of the season. It, I, it is. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to argue with you. I just always but, have to bring that up because yeah. I feel a certain type of way about it. <laughs> I know you do. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so that was supposed to, what was originally going to happen is that was supposed to be this afternoon. Mm -hmm. We were going to record all of this tonight, which I'm kind of glad that didn't happen because that would have been a lot. Yeah. Uh, it started raining. The race was going to get pushed to tonight, so we figured we'd start recording afternoon wait till the race started again record more after but since florida is a trash heap uh it just kept it would rain enough to make the track wet they would dry it it would immediately start raining as soon as they were ready to race again yeah so they end up drying it basically twice for it to rain again then they gave up and said that they're gonna run it tomorrow so you can listen to this episode which will come out at three Three tomorrow. Eastern. The race is starting at four, so by the time you get to this, it's probably going. It should be getting to the end. Who do we think is going to win? Who do you think is going to win? Uh, well, I think I picked... I'd have to look at my... I made picks. Yeah. Do you remember who you picked while I pull up the app on my phone? Well, so I'm always very... I have the people that I want to win, and then I'm more realistically inclined to think of who's going to win. So Bubba, Bubba Wallace is my guy. He, in his very first Daytona 500 a couple years ago, he came in second. I would love for him to win. I would, I would die. so happy. I would die. Um, because more... additional, uh, for the playoffs of NASCAR at yeah. the end of the year. Yes. Once if, you win a race. You're in. You're in. You're in the playoffs. Yep. And then a couple of people get in based on finishing well throughout the season. Yes. My guy Bubba doesn't have a great car, so he needs to win a race. And the nice thing about the Daytona 500 is anybody, literally anybody can win. If your car is still functional at the end of this race, you have a chance. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping for Bubba. Uh, I think Ryan Blaney could win. He's good. Good at the restricted plate tracks. Uh, I'm just, I, as long as it's not like one of the big Toyota guys, Harvick, some, somebody who doesn't win all the time. Not about that life. Want somebody new. Mm-hmm. So, did you figure out? No. Uh, but who do you actually, one person, who's going to win? Who's going to win? Uh, Matt Benedetto. Matt, Matt Benedetto. Yes, he's another underdog, but he historically, in crappy cars, has been good at the restrictor plate races. Um, and this year, he is driving for the Wood Brothers, mm -hmm. who historically have built excellent speedway cars um and they're affiliated with the penske team which runs fords uh the fords historically have been dominant at this race and particularly the penske cars have been good at this race so i think he i think he's got a shot i think he's a good shot you are just struggle busting it everywhere really struggling right now ryan is like frantically trying to look up who he picked Oh, I got that. Okay. Uh, took me way too long. So, I guess, who do you want to win? So, I want... Again, I like Bubba. I like Blaney. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't start watching NASCAR till I met you. Yes, I um, dragged him into it. Yeah. Uh, which... But you've done very well. You are 
you know what's going on. You know the drivers. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I you've gotten fairly knowledgeable at least about what's like, happening. I'm to the point where like I see the number on the car and I'm like, I know whose car that is. Mm-hmm. That doesn't extend to some of the lower classes, but for NASCAR, yeah. generally speaking, um, you got me into like the DraftKings and stuff with NASCAR, which helps me remember the names a lot better. Uh, I picked Matt DiBenedetto to win <gasps> on the Fantasy NASCARs, and uh, I don't see any reason to change that now. No. Um, so I'm going to stick with it. You didn't mention your guy Jimmy. You want Jimmy? To I also you? love Jimmy. If Jimmy won, that would make me so happy. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting. I'm more of an underdog person, like you. Yes. Which is why I like Bubba, Blaney, uh, Matt Benedetto mm-hmm. as well. But Jimmy's won seven national <laughs> championships. He is tied for the most all time. Yeah. Yep. This is his last year ever. Yep. Supposedly, mm-hmm. as far as he's we're full time retiring. Yep. Yeah. And last year was the only year he ever missed the playoffs. Yes. And, Very sad. Um, because I didn't know him until last year. Yeah. Uh, he's just to a really you, nice... he's an underdog. Yeah, to me, he's an underdog. He's <laughs> yeah. a really nice guy. Yeah, seems and, like a nice guy. Uh, he's got a nice beard game. Oh, yeah. He's a great beard game. Yeah. But, so I would, it would make me happy if he won uh, as well. Okay. So, to Benedetto, I guess, is the... Consensus. Consensus pick. Yeah. I think we probably cursed him to wreck it. Yeah, I know. Now he's... Oh, sad. We're sorry, Matt. Um, yeah. Okay, so, yeah. So, as you listen to this, you should be able to flick your TV on and see how right we are really quick. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, it's going to do it yeah. for today's episode. It's been a long one. <laughs> it's been a while. Thank you for listening. It means a lot. It goes a long way. Uh, it's the whole point yeah. in doing this. We appreciate it. That we're not just shouting into the void. Yeah. Uh, If you would like to find more episodes of the Circle of Film podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, other places where podcasts can be found. Uh, You can also find all the episodes on the website, circleoffilm.com, including a bunch of other things, including the 2019 Circle of Film Awards, which you may or may not have listened to that four-hour episode, uh, but you can at least find all the winners on the website. Um, you can find me on Letterboxd at Circle of Film. You can also find me on Twitter at Circle of Film. I have a Twitter, which is a struggle for me to spell on occasion. Mm-hmm. You can find me at Algoferoz, A-L-G-O-F-E-R-O-Z. Pulled it off again. Two mm-hmm. episodes in a row now. Yep. Very proud of myself. <laughs> And uh, a lot of NASCAR stuff, right? Yeah, there's NASCAR there'll be memes. lots of zoomies. Lots of Bachelor. That's yeah. another... Tomorrow, we're getting to the end of The Bachelor. That's uh, a shit yeah. show and a half. I'm here for it. I hate it. <laughs> Everyone is so dumb. They're real dumb. Everyone's an idiot. It's, yeah, it's not great. Uh, Petey Pablo, my man over there, is making some bad choices. Yeah. Um... So if you have any thoughts about The Bachelor, <laughs> send them her way. Yes, yeah. I don't Slide care. Slide into my DMs. I could not yeah, care Ryan. less. Ryan doesn't want to hear about it. I do. Let me know. <laughs> if you like to support the show, like it, rate it, review it, subscribe to it, tell somebody about it. Um, but the most important thing you can do is listen. That helps so much. I guess it doesn't help really, uh, but it validates more so. 
Yeah. Which is very, very nice. Yeah. For, if you like uh, it, spread me. the word. Um, but if you are so inclined, you can also become a patron at patreon.com slash circle of film, where for as little as eight cents an episode or one dollar a month, you can get early access to all these episodes. So we're talking about recording an episode early. You'll get it yep. that many days early. Mm-hmm. All of them yeah. for one dollar yeah. a month. Yeah. I think you just got a, a shiny new patron today. I did. I did. Um, jeez. <laughs> uh, I have to thank Brandon, newest patron. Uh, means a lot. Anytime someone deigns to reward all this work, financially speaking. Um, so that's great. Uh, Stick around. And also have to thank Brian for continuing to be a patron as of this moment. Uh, Very, very, very... I always forget the word I want to say here. (laughs) I'm always terrified I'm going to forget this word. And usually I remember it. uh, For his generosity. That's not the word I usually use, but that works. Thankful for so much for his generosity uh as a, as as a patron of the show thank um, you brandon thank you bb yep so uh that's it thanks for listening again and uh as always have a week so long farewell i'll be the same night. i know she'll never leave me even as she fades from me Nothing's really left or lost without a trace. Nothing's gone forever, only out of place. So long, farewell, au revoir, I'll be the same. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.